Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Sweet Talk with Honey and Naya. We all survived Survivor Series, but I do think Naya was uh, emotionally damaged. Uh, undoubtedly, by the bloodlines oh, time. My God. <laughs> I'm sure she's going to enjoy talking about that once we get to it. Uh, I need to quickly look up the card so I make sure I got everything in order. Uh, because I for the most part, greatly enjoyed this Survivor Series, not as much as I have once in the past, and the War Games matches, excuse me, definitely not either of my favorites. Uh, that's nothing against most of the people in them, but, uh, okay, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I just already know Becky's about to get so many strays. Oh, Becky's about to get many strays, as is Rhea. This is going to be, <laughs> Ooh. everyone's gonna be really surprised by who I defend on this pay-per-view, let me tell you. Cause, I'm gonna say, <laughs> I didn't watch that match. So, I don't know, but... <laughs> uh, yes, Naya does not co-sign anything I say here. By the way, so... Yeah, okay, wait, can we, can we really, like, okay, just because... <laughs> listen, if you, if you happen to follow me on Twitter, you might have, you might have noticed that I've deactivated again. This time is actually permanent, um, I'm starting over. I will drop my new at, at the end of this podcast, at the end of this, but, um, I am very trying to be, like conscious of what I say going forward because I do want to work in this industry and I do like I'm very confident in my um self in terms of achieving the things I want to achieve so I do see that I will be working with some of these people in the future so I would prefer not to per uh what's the word perjure myself yes and um, <laughs> yes and or incriminate myself so yes and I absolutely what i say absolutely i support that because as you know many times in the past i have coached you against saying certain things on social media and, and i didn't listen but now and I you will. did not listen but it, that that is now what it is um but yes <laughs> i personally do not care if i work with these people in the future <laughs> i don't intend that i will i don't expect that i will but I spent 27 years being uh, kowtowing to people because I thought that I had to. I no longer do that. I'm very direct with people. And it doesn't matter if I work with them or not. I'm going to be as direct as I need to be. And on that note, the Women's War Games match did not suck. It did not suck. It was not a bad match by any means. It was not my favorite women's war games match in history. And that's a little bit because war games matches on, much like with fight pit matches, fight pit matches, war games matches on the main roster are going to feel different than the ones in NXT. So going forward, if they do more war games matches or more fight pit matches, which they maybe shouldn't, given how that last one went, on the main roster absolutely i will start to compare these to those as opposed to the ones in nxt because as of now we've obviously only had one of each of those on the main roster so there's i can only compare them to the ones on nxt but it's just it doesn't feel as gritty as the nxt ones did both the fight pit and the war games match i know this isn't about the fight pit but shout out to timothy thatcher come back to America someday. And 
it's 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 again this neither of these matches were bad were they exactly how i would have done them no and i actually maybe would have the both of them on this pay-per-view were about the same the women's was maybe two minutes longer and i think i actually would have had the men's be a little bit longer just because there was more fleshed out storytelling to be had there and i feel like well we'll get to that but in the women's war games match, I mean, it was it was a good match. You know, it wasn't my favorite, but it had a lot of people I like. I like Bianca. I like Alexa. I like Oscar. I like Mia. I like Bailey. I like Io. I like Nikki. Uh, that's more people than I don't like. And <sighs> some of the tiredness, I'll admit, come some of some of what I didn't like, I'll admit, comes just from me being tired of Rhea because I feel as though this character run of hers has run out its welcome and that's frustrating because in the past I've really liked Rhea I just feel like she needs something new and I feel like they wanted the judgment day to be something new but it's just not really working. Because the whole... I mean, as we discussed last time, the Judgment Day isn't really working at all for me. Mm-hmm. So that's... There's not much they can do as long as she's part of it. And especially as long as she's paired up with Dom. Because that whole thing is just stupid. But it, uh... It's... Her part in this just... She felt like such a non-factor in this match. And... I feel like Rhea Ripley should be a factor in a match like this. Like like in the Rumble or in a or in a War Games match or in a like regular Survivor Series match. She shouldn't feel like an afterthought because she is presented as such a danger and it felt like she was more of an afterthought. Like she was just, "Oh, well we need this other person and she's big and strong, so let's get her in." And of course, I didn't like that Becky was in it because I don't like anything she does. <laughs> But, and also, she was, she was what? She was the last one in? That just, like... Oh, was she? Yeah, wow. and that just... Obviously, she, <laughs> wow. ob- obviously, obviously <laughs> she was the last one in because she was injured, and her shoulder still isn't quite correct. But once again, the person who comes in last should feel like a factor in the match... And Becky, with all of these people, does not feel like a factor in the match. She is just not... She's just not there for me. And not only that... You have a match with Asuka. You have a match with Mia. You have a match with Io. You have a match with Nikki. And it still feels tame with the spots that you do. I need someone to explain that thought process to me because how do you have, especially just Asuka and Nikki could have been in a corner having their own match the entire time and it would have been fine with me because we've seen what those two can do in kind of an extreme rule setting. There's no reason that we couldn't have had some rehashing of that. Let, let Asuka put someone in a trash can and kick them again. I don't know why we aren't doing this. It's, it felt so tame, even compared to other Survivor Series. My, my all-time favorite Survivor Series match, the finish, was Tommaso Ciampa doing a war raid 
to Adam Cole off the top of the War Games cage. Like, through a table. It was, <laughs> the, the audience's faces were filled with horror. That's what I expect out of a War Games match. I expect horror, shock, and awe. <laughs> I did not get that in this match. And that's not to say there weren't some good spots. Obviously there were. I, I of course, always enjoy anything that involves EO jumping off of a large structure because EO is wonderful and I love when she jumps off of things. But it just felt so... <sighs> just... I don't want to say boring, but something tangential to boring. And that's not what I wanted out of it. Especially with the people involved. Especially given that they're, like, teasing this whole Alexa's going bad thing. Like, there's- we could have had something where she's, like, snapped in the match. There's so much that they could have done, and it's frustrating. And even with Becky, there's more that they could have done. Like, I don't even think I remember anyone targeting her shoulder. If Seth Rollins can jam a kendo stick into Cody Rhodes's detached meat slab- then there is zero reason why they couldn't have attacked her shoulder a little bit more. And that would have made her getting the pin all the more impressive. So that's just baffling to me. And why did she get the pin? Why did she get the pin? There was no fucking reason for that. She doesn't need it. She doesn't need that. Becky doesn't need to pin people in a group match to be the 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 big star of the fucking match. She's already a huge star. Give that to someone else. Give that to Mia. Give that to even Asuka or Bianca. Women's champion. The fucking champ. (laughs) The damn champ. Or at least, like, use it, like, use it as an opportunity. And I have not, I don't know if I said this already, but I have not seen this match. But um, use that as an opportunity to, like, further some of the individual stories. Because, honestly, I felt like, in terms of the buildup from what I saw to this match, um... Like, to me, it really felt like Rhea and Mia were both kind of just jammed in there just because there was really nobody else to put in the match. Yep. Um, so at the very, very least, use that as an opportunity to further their story between each other. Or, yep. like, if you the tag the tag beef between Dakota and Io um, and Alexa and Asuka. Like, Asuka and, Asuka and Io have this clear like history with one another and that's something that you could expound upon in the future let oscar pin eo or like again like you said literally bianca is the champion you know um i feel like a part of bianca's story right now is that she's just like tearing through like she's unstoppable so let her get the pin because she's the champion and she's leading the team and Not that was that. kind of like sorry continue I was gonna say um i i didn't comment this on my comment on this myself but i was definitely thinking it but i saw somebody else say that like when they took the picture like the smackdown before survivor series and they took a picture of bianca's team becky was standing in the middle and i know this is so like trivial and childish but like it was true becky looked like the team leader not bianca because bianca was standing off to the side and becky was like on the ropes in the middle like hooray hurrah like I don't know. I just feel like is there like, a commercial in the middle of this fucking match? What the hell? Um, yeah. But yeah, I just feel <laughs> I feel like um, Becky just is kind of like everything goes back to her, and it's like, hey, um, Bianca is the team leader. Like, yeah. this is Team Bianca because they want Becky to be the hero. They want her to be. Oh, she just returned from this injury that took her out for like what a month. 
I don't know and, uh, how long SummerSlam was. Why uh, commercial in the middle of this match. I don't know because it was a weird ass pay per view. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Odie commercial. Mean, not only that, Wait, was, is the match over? Sorry, I'm gonna shut up. The what the Ronda and Chotzi one? Yeah, did I miss? Did it was, I miss it, the finish of that match? It was a seven minute match. It was not long at all. But um, but the other thing is that Bianca was the Iron Woman of the match. <laughs> she was in the cage first, and I'm sorry. She went in first. Yes, oh. and I I'm sorry, but okay. So yeah, that's just incomplete storytelling at that point. <laughs> yes, it doesn't make sense to have your champion be the first one in. And she's not just dominating the whole fucking match. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, like, at this stupid. point, at this point, this is why I wanted Bianca to turn heel at the end of this and just snap everybody in half. Because I'm so tired. Bianca, if you're listening to this, Miss Belair, I love oh you. God, I love everything that you do. I love everything that you do. Bianca has only ever had bad matches with Becky. She is so unbelievable. She's so good at everything else she does, other than stuff with Becky. And, like, it, to me, is at least two months past time for her to just turn heel and start snapping on people. And maybe that's where all this is heading. Maybe they're like, oh, look, at Becky, the hero. And then they're gonna have Bianca be like, hey, guys. <laughs> like who's been holding down the fort for you so, know like two years <laughs> i've actually had this conversation with two separate people one of them was in terms of like partially my uh fantasy booking for if slash when bianca beats roman um but also just in terms of kind of like how i feel about bianca as a character right now and as a wrestler obviously i think that bianca is like the greatest thing since sliced bread like that woman is unbelievable she's the greatest um, thing since bread however i can be honest and say even when i love somebody that when things are running stale and when things are and it's not even that bianca herself is running stale because i think that's kind of the magic of her gimmick is that she's kind of like one of those wrestlers who's like just all her gimmicks just always gonna work especially for her um but I do think that because of the state of the women's division and like what she has to work with, like it's getting old and it's it, like the stories and everything is just not working right now because she's face. And I think that if they could just turn her heel, that it would solve a lot of problems for the whole division. And also like, it would just be so much more interesting. It would be a, a breath of fresh air for her as a character because she can really like start popping her shit and like telling the story that she telling the story like it's hard to be like she's unstoppable but she's a baby face because the point of someone being unstoppable is that you want to <clears> see <throat> who is able to stop them right like and they've already told that story once of becky coming in unexpectedly and taking bianca down that's not gonna work again like it's not gonna garner the same reaction unless it's like i guess charlotte but like i really feel like they need to just go ahead and turn Bianca heel because it's kind of like getting old. Even my friend pointed out, I won't say who, but like a friend of mine pointed out that she kind of doesn't even really wrestle as aggressively mm. as Excuse she me. used to. Like there is a very big difference in like her ring style in terms of like how she really brought it mm -hmm. in NXT versus mm -hmm. now. And I partially feel like one, cause she's face. It's like, you can't really be that person who's like 
beating the shit out of people when you're baby face but then also too there's on the side of just like not really having anybody worth beating up like that like the the heels she's going up against are not on that level see i think it's an entire possibility that she's going to stay a face until after she beats charlotte because i don't understand how this mania season isn't leading up to her beating charlotte that only seems correct but which, hey, next year she gets a match with Bailey at WrestleMania, then she gets all four horsewomen beat at WrestleMania. That'd be neat. Um, oh, yeah. But, like I said, I love Bianca, and I do think there are, I do think you can successfully be the babyface who beats the shit out of people. I think you can be brutal and still be seen as a babyface. We've seen it before. Stone Cold Steve Austin had the most heelish tactics in the world, but he was seen as a babyface in a lot of different scenarios that he was in. Because, I mean, he was this working class man fighting against the authority, you know? So there are ways you can do that. I just, I don't think that's what they want out of Bianca. And I want to see her choke people with her braid. So, we are, my ish, I think it's coming down for me, is that me and the people in charge of WWE are having vastly different ideas of what we all want out of her. And that's frustrating because once again, she would, she, we know she can pull off a heel character. And while it has been nice to see someone who has that character of the very confident, very brash, very, you know, sure of themselves, the EST in a heel play, in a face place, at one point it just runs out because like with this stuff with Becky it's it's just clear to me that they're starting to think of Bianca as an afterthought much like they think of Rhea and again when you have someone who is like that and so universally acknowledged as being like that you don't just kind of put them to the side So this person who's already done a bunch of shit gets to be on the top. Like, it would be, it would be like having Seth Rollins beat Roman for the title, right? Because you have, you have Roman doing all this historic shit and having someone like Seth beat him, and there's a couple other people that this could apply to as well. Having someone like Seth beat him is just saying this is our this is this is all we can think of. You know, it's just not creative, it's not interesting. It's someone who has done this over and over and over again. Seth has had plenty of historic moments. He doesn't need to have this historic moment. There's no reason for that. And at one point it does come down to what I think best serves these people, these performers and the stories and the company in the long term. And having Becky be the person who keeps coming back and getting all of these big moments just isn't that. Having Charlotte be that person isn't that. Having even Sasha be that person isn't that up to a point. And having Bianca be someone who does historic things makes sense because she's this generation's Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar gets to do historic shit. (laughs) Because he's stupidly good at every single thing that he does. Everything he touches turns to gold. Everything Bianca touches turns to gold. And they're looking at all that gold and being like, you know, we're really silver people at the end of the day. 
Like, we more have the cool toned skin for Silver. And it's just stupid. Because why... Again, I just... I don't understand why they're not doing what... Very clearly would serve the best purpose. For the longest period of time. And for the most people. Because you do have... I feel... <laughs> maybe this is me just, like, not... Understanding something. But it feels so strongly to me that they have... They have heels... They don't have heels that people should be afraid of in the women's division. And that's a good way to put it. That's because, I mean, the closest they have, and I'll be talking about her a lot more in a minute, is Rhonda. And even and even Rhonda is going through a character change where she's kind of loosening that up. She has a buddy now. She has a buddy that she runs around and kicks people's shit with. And... And Bailey has damage control, which have also not been booked great. Not horribly, but not great. And and Charlotte's not out. I mean, Charlotte's still out for a while. Sasha's probably not coming back. She can't be the big heel. Naomi could be a great heel if they would ever call her back, I guess. Or if she would ever answer them. I assume there's been many calls to her. But... They have all of these things that they could do, but they aren't. So they need to do what's right now. And Bianca, because she... Because even Rhea. Even Rhea. Rhea's not a heel that you need to be scared of. She's running around with her little high school not-quite-bullies. Like, they're bullies that, like, drive BMWs. You know what I mean? Like, they're not people that you actually need to be scared of. It's like, Rhea's hardly even involved in the women's division as it is. Yeah. So she's not even, she's not even a bully to the girls because she's too busy being the enforcer for guys. Yeah. Which is also stupid because they're like, oh, look, look at us, teehee. Rhea Ripley gets to, gets to beat, gets to punch the men and, and Mia Yim gets to punch the men, teehee-hee. But no, they can't actually wrestle and the men won't actually wrestle them back because that would be wrong. Like, I'm telling you, intergender wrestling would just bust this whole thing wide open. Like, because there's no reason why we can't just have Ronda... Fuck, give me Ronda versus Seth. Give me the most plainly dressed woman on the roster and then throw her at Seth Rollins and then let that just take the the path that it needs to take. (laughs) As offensive as that path may end up being. But, like, there's so many good matches that they could have and so many good stories that they could have. Like we've said many times, if Bianca is to stay a face, the only thing they can do is have her beat Roman. They have her beat Charlotte, and then they have her beat Roman. Those are the only things she can do as a face that mean anything. And honestly, in my full fantasy booking of her beating Roman, she turns heel immediately after that. <laughs> because, like, again, like, what does she do after that? You just beat Roman Reigns. The only thing you can do is be like, Fuck yeah, all of you, I'm better than you. You can't beat me. And then like, at who that point, root for that. And then at that point, she is statistically and provably better than everyone. So, like, it's just like at this point. So here's here's here's. <sighs> Here's the unfortunate truth that I think that I think would have to happen 
for Bianca to face Roman. Because they seem to be testing the waters with intergender stuff. A little bit more than usual. And hopefully Hunter, in all of his bisexual knowledge, understands that the correct thing to do is to just let the men and women fight. And honestly, since a lot of the problem is just the optics, that's why he's having Rhea do it. And Mia a little bit. But we know Bianca is every bit as strong as pretty much all of the men, you know? We know she's not gonna be hurting for an equal fight. So it makes sense to have her, being someone who is doing all these historic things, be the one to then do the major historic thing. And unfortunately for that to happen in a way that is reasonable and logical... Roman has to keep the title another year. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't necessarily... Well, I kind Which, of... I'm going to say, I'm not even... I, I I saw a headline today that stated that he's apparently, like, two more WrestleManias away from tying Hulk Hogan's record of main eventing eight WrestleManias. Yeah. So I'm like, in order for him to do that, of course, it is entirely possible if he drops the title at this Mania... He could just go on hiatus, come back, rumble season next year, and rumble to Mania. But, like... Or he could just walk in and be like, hey, guys, main event in WrestleMania. Suck it. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I guess my point in saying that was, like, realistically speaking, that means Roman's gonna be around for at least another year and a half. And... So... You know what? He might as well keep the title. He might as well keep the title if he is. At the end of the day, I don't mind. Because they don't have anybody that I'm interested other than Jey Uso and Bianca. That's the thing! That's the thing! I'm like, if you're not gonna pull the trigger on the two best and really only options, then just let them keep the fucking title. It's gonna be Cody. We all know it's gonna be Cody, and it's gonna be stupid. It's gonna make me so mad. It's gonna make me so mad because I'm like... Ugh, we've been over this. I don't need to get into it again. Paul Levesque, if you let Cody Rhodes beat that man, I swear to God, I will actually cut your testicles off and eat them. It's it's incomplete storytelling. And I... Okay, future my future boss, Mr. Triple H, the man that I will... that I will be working for one day. Like... I'm sorry. I know we have a problem with you telling complete and roundabout stories. But like, my fucking God, this one is not that difficult. It is literally simple. Paul Levesque, my future boss. If you let Cody Rhodes beat Roman Reigns for the title, I will find you, cut your testicles off, and eat them. I do not co. I do not co-sign that statement. I'll cut your feet yeah. off and eat them too. Like it's it's so frustrating, and honestly, just because there's nothing they can do for the women's division right now, honestly. Either, maybe bring okay, Charlotte so, back and give Bianca somebody listen, to face. Bring Naomi listen, back and give her something to do. But we were so um, I told <sighs> you when we talked about doing this episode, I was like, honestly, I have not seen these matches, but I do know that this will lead to me getting to let out some of my feelings about the current landscape of the women's division. Feel free and to do so. I'm I, eating the rest of my pizza. I feel this way as somebody who doesn't even watch regularly, like every week, like. I basically just kind of keep up by uh, my friends who watch regularly and like just 
my timeline on Twitter, I guess, and my various group chats and whatnot. But it feels like right now the women's division is kind of stuck in this like upside down place because everything, I feel like everything about everybody seems wrong. Like, and I, I, I do, I've always done this thing because uh, I love fantasy booking. It's like one of my favorite things to do because I really love the storytelling aspect of professional wrestling. I love just I love to fantasy book and like at least a, once a year or twice a year I'll like sit down and kind of do like my own like little fantasy booking of what I would change about the women's division and so I sat down to do it this year because I was like oh shit this is kind of atrocious right now and this is the first time I've ever felt like unless they kind of completely uphaul I don't know if that's a real word like unless they like completely like uphaul everything, overhaul. There's overhaul, and co- unless they completely overhaul everything, it kind of just seems like like nothing's gonna work. Because I feel like all the wrong people are like face and heel. I feel like a lot of the major people who could be kind of holding the division up aren't. And part of the reason that they can't is because they're not in the right face heel dynamics. You've got like. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to come out right now and say this because I think it's safe to do so. I've been a closet Lacey Evans fan for like five years now <laughs> or like four years, whatever, however long she's been um, on WWE TV. Yeah. I actually have me always- fuck. Sorry, real quick. Me fucking too. I love the sassy Southern Belle shit. That was awesome. I, yeah, me too. I'm sorry. Like I in like back in the day, it was like okay, you can't support problematic people. So I'd be like, yeah, fuck Lacey Evans because you know problematic. But I kind of don't give a shit about those things anymore. I do, but I don't. This is not about that. But the point is, like now, I can be 100 percent honest and say that I have kind of always liked Lacey Evans, even like though her character is problematic, I think that sometimes it's okay for a character to be problematic, especially if they're a heel, because it's kind of the entire point that they're bad and you're not supposed to like it. Um, That being said, Lacey Evans is an amazing character worker. She is extremely entertaining um, and she is solid in the ring. And when I say that somebody's solid in the ring, I don't mean that like, oh, she's Sasha Banks, she's Charlotte, like she's wrestling circles around people. No, but she knows what she's doing and aside from a few mishaps here and there which are honestly to be expected in wrestling like you guys just have to get over the fact that people are gonna botch sometimes um see our previous episode for that yes please listen to that like she she's a pretty solid wrestler she can have a like at the very least a decent match with somebody and like again in terms of the conversation we just have having about um bianca being heel i mean being heel and being face like it's like you've got somebody who is a phenomenal heel as Lacey Evans. And not only are you trying to push her as a, were you trying to push her as a face, but because it's not, it didn't work out, you've taken her off of TV completely instead of like leaning into the fact that honestly, Lacey Evans is completely what you need right now. Like Lacey Evans as a sassy Southern belle coming after Bianca, who's accomplishing all these things and just being like, girl, you need to get in the kitchen and make a sandwich. Like it would be, it would be entertaining as fuck. I'm sorry. Like, they are great foils for each other. I was I muted. You couldn't hear it, but I laughed really hard at that. <laughs> well, like, she thinks, I feel like if you're going to keep Bianca heel, you need people like Lacey Evans. How the fuck is Lacey Evans not on TV right now? Like, and then two, it's, this is the thing, and this kind of is directed at fans. For years, 
fans and even some wrestlers, I'm going to go ahead and say their names, Paige, Alexa, Naya, and Ember Moon, have all in the past couple years, especially in like 2019, 2020, they put a lot of whatever was wrong with the women's division on Sasha Bailey, Sasha and Bailey specifically, but on the four horsewomen, and basically kind of blaming them that it's their fault if other women in the division couldn't get ahead because it's like everything was too focused on them. And that was a narrative that a lot of fans jumped on and mm-hmm. ran with because like these major names mm-hmm. in wrestling Excuse basically me. co-signed it. Which I always felt to be bullshit, not just because I am a fan of three, four, the four horsewomen, but because, like, it just logically makes no sense. It's kind of the same principle that John Cena and Roman Reigns have been trying to teach people for the past God knows how many years. And that is, if these people that you guys claim are so good would step up and deliver the way that they need to, then there would be no need for these people that y'all are allegedly sick of seeing to be remaining at the top. Roman Reigns, or like John Cena said to Roman Reigns, like, I wouldn't need to be here if you were doing your job. And then when Roman Reigns stepped his game up and started performing at that level, John Cena went away. And now Roman is in that position where it's like, if there was a guy in the women in the men's division who was at Roman's level to really, like, take over his role, both in kayfabe and outside of kayfabe, of, like, being the face of the company, then he could probably fuck off with his 27 kids and his beautiful, hot, amazing, gorgeous wife. Hey, Galena, I'm single. Um, I'm also single, and Galena. This, <laughs> and I feel like the same trust thing me. goes with the four horsewomen. It was just like, real quick. Like, sorry. Like, sorry, real quick. Galena, just saying. I can give you what he does without the kids. I'm just saying. You don't have to get pregnant. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the same principle with like the four horsewomen. <laughs> This is actually just to show where we hit on Roman Reigns' wife. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Yeah. Listen. This is pretty much just that. Listen, you can't beat my ass. Um, <laughs> I, all, I already want to say... Listen, I have been, No, sorry. I, sorry. No, no, no. Because that just reminded me of this one tweet where this dude was like... I, they were talking about a short dude and they were like... Whenever he starts shit and people want to fight him, he's just like, hey, I'm just a little guy. You wouldn't fight such a little guy, huh? <laughs> like, that would be me. me. Roman. That was literally, like, God, God honestly, hand to God, if I ever met Roman Reigns, I, I'm so serious about this. I'm challenging that man to a fight. And if he tries to fight me, I'm going to be like, wow, so they were right about you. You really do hate women. It's, it's gonna be hilarious. I would absolutely pull the. I'm just a little guy. Come on. Me, me. Oh, you're really gonna you're really gonna fight a sweet, innocent little girl like me? Wow. Somewhere we live in. I'm just a guy. I'm just a buddy. Come on, man. Come on, dude. Um, Sorry. Continue. I interrupted. We were talking about serious no, things. And that was funny. No. Um. So yeah, I feel like the same principle goes with the four horsewomen, where we're kind of seeing a shining, glaring example of that. Where, especially a couple weeks ago, when Becky was gone, Sasha's gone, Charlotte's been gone, Sasha's been gone as well, and Bailey just got back. Like, you know, we've kind of been only having the only person who has stepped up and done their job to where it's like she makes us feel like we don't need the four horsewomen. Is Bianca? Yep. And I think Absolutely. I think Oscar, 
Asuka could or would if given the opportunity. She just kind of hasn't been. But like, the only one who's done that is is Bianca, and all these other and, people who have made it seem like the the four horsemen have been the problem this entire time. They're gone now, and it and, doesn't seem like one of them is coming back. So like, now it's time for these girls to take this opportunity and show us as fans and the people in the back that they can step up and do what they need to do and I feel like that's not happening right now I don't know if that's controversial to say but like that's how I feel you know honestly with the girls that you mentioned it was Paige, Ember, Alexa is there one other? Naya Naya. Naya. obviously three of them aren't in the company anymore and uh, Paige has always been bad so it's she couldn't take their place even if she was there, but I f- we've seen Alexa be at the top of the mountain for the women before, and she does a pretty good job. Like she's, I mean, I'm not saying she, and I'm saying this as a fan of Alexa. I don't think she's at the level of Bianca or Sasha, or even Charlotte. But although her feud with Charlotte was very very entertaining, um. So I know she can. She's just it feels like she had such a big thing with Bray that they feel like there's nothing they can do with her, you know? They feel like she's she's just got to be the pretty girl with pink ends on her hair who's like, who's kind of catty sometimes. And that's frustrating because we've seen cuz sorry, just real quick. Everyone I know agrees that Alexa has such good acting skills that she could leave wrestling now and she could go star in horror movies for the rest of her natural born life and she would never be hurting for money or fame. And I know that she can do... and She's a, she's a good enough wrestler that you don't watch her matches and you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in the world. You know, she has some match. She's definitely a wrestler that... If she's wrestling someone who's worse than she is, it shows. But if she's wrestling someone really good, they have a great match. And it just feels like they aren't jumping on that. Even if they're going to put her back with Bray or do something with him somehow, I I wouldn't mind that. Just because it would give her something to do that... That we, because one of my other problems is that there's like, they've only just recently kind of started telling stories outside of the title scene with the women, mm-hmm. and oh my, like, just do that. Just tell stories. Just just tell stories with the women. That's. I think I was gonna say like I think that that kind of. Excuse uh, me. I don't know if I want. I this is the tough part because there's things that I think that I don't know if I can or should say. You can but, say like, them once we're done recording. <laughs> I think part of the what I will say is I think part of the problem with like the state of things now not just as far as like the women themselves go but just like what's going on in WWE as a company mm-hmm. I think that they're still in a very big like transitional period where they've gone from like Vince to Hunter and Vince yeah. and Hunter are clearly two very different people and I think that Vince McMahon say whatever you want to say about him but he has his strengths as both a businessman and a promoter and I think that Hunter has his strengths as a businessman and as a promoter. Um, but, and they both have their weaknesses as any human being would. Um, and I think that some of the weaknesses that Hunter does have really kind of show in terms of like 
some of the problems yeah. you're seeing. Like, I think that it's great that Hunter is Hunter's definitely a lot more gung ho about like letting the women do things. I think than Vince was, even though I feel like Vince has improved on that a lot over the years. I think that Hunter, like during even during some of NXT's like lowest times, in my opinion, the women's division was always like pretty solid. Yeah. Um, but we're not really seeing that right now because of some of Hunter's weaknesses that just play the way that like you said there's a big difference between nxt and the main roster and you can yep. see it even just down to something as simple like these war games matches like there's just there's a difference so the way that things are on the main roster i just think that some of hunter's weaknesses show up a little bit more because of that and that's really vague and i can't really go into detail about what i mean by that but like that's that's kind of that and in terms of like what you were saying about alexa like i think alexa's a <laughs> perfect example of like them not really playing to people's strengths mm -hmm. because alexa one i've seen a lot of people saying that they kind of want to see alexa go back to her goddess gimmick which that was like peak i hated alexa but at the same time she was a heel i was supposed to hate her and everything that she did that made me hate her it worked so it was yeah. like hey you know and isn't in like i can step outside of myself and be like hey like as a fan especially a fan of girls like who I think can be like underrated, like Mia and like Nikki Cross. I think that having Goddess Alexa around isn't always going to be great for girls like them. But hey, in terms of television and making the show watchable, Goddess Alexa might be might be the solution, might be the answer. Well, and like letting her play to letting her play to her strengths because Alexa's not all a bad baby face, but she's just not nearly as entertaining but, to watch is, as a baby face. And this so let is, her play to her strengths. Sorry, and this is me stereotyping her, but she has 1000% the vibe of a girl in middle school who bullies yeah. other people. She's yeah. never gonna like, not have that. It's like that thing, it's like, you know who said it perfectly in her <laughs> in, um, in in Sasha's WWE Evil episode, mm -hmm. when they're talking about her rivalry with Charlotte Flair, Charlotte says about herself, she's like, well, I'm tall, I'm blonde, and guess what? My dad's Ric Flair. Of course you're going to hate me. It's kind of the same thing with Alexa Bliss. It's like, yeah. she's this tiny little blonde girl. Like, she reminds you of every little, like, bitchy bully you've ever met in real life or in, like, in, like media and film. Like, she she's the perfect... She's like the bitch in... I don't, and I, we know I mean bitch endearingly, but like, she's like the bitch and bring it on. Like, like she literally is that. And so it's like when you, especially when you are the antithesis of that, like when you are the person who would come at the receiving end of that kind of like that's bullying what, what, and mean girlness, that's what and, makes her work. When her and Nia Jax had their feud, I was like, yes, yeah, this works because this happens yeah. in real life every day. <laughs> like, yes, it's like, of course, somebody like me, who's like this, like kind of nerdy tomboy black girl, would not like somebody like Alexa Bliss because yeah. Alexa Bliss is literally like the bane of my existence, right? But that's exactly what makes Alexa Bliss work as a character. Let her, like, why is she walking? Oh my god, I, I'll tell you this when we're not recording because it was so funny, but like even down to the people that she's teamed with, like she's teamed with like Mia Yim, Asuka and Bianca Belair and Becky who are like the shining glaring examples of like the the other kids, the misfits. Yes. Like Mia's this, Mia's this like biracial girl who grew up 
in like the like the hood like in oakland california like she's like all tomboy gonna beat your ass you got bianca who is this star like athlete she's built differently like physically speaking you got oscar who's like this eccentric japanese woman and you've got becky lynch who is like i'm trying to think of a way to describe becky but like you've got mm. becky lynch. we know what the fuck becky lynch is she's she's this irish girl with orange hair who's corny and like blah blah blah, blah. she's literally the antithesis of everything that and then you got alexa bliss the pretty little blonde girl like she doesn't even look comfortable standing next to them like that's something that people were saying so much about like this team and about everything like with this match like she, alexa didn't even look good with them she should have been it seemed like she could have been on the other team. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's here's part of my problem with all this. And we will talk about the rest of this pay-per-view at one point, guys. I swear to God. But we're still on the first match. We're still on the first match. We're still on the women's division, which we'll, we're about to get back to yeah. in, a, in a little bit. But <sighs> Alexa would be better at leading damage control... If damage control was her, Dakota, and Tegan, because that is the epitomal, pretty, conventionally attractive white girls in high school. Well, obviously, two of them are white. One of them is not. Um, yeah. But the conventional, but they are all very conventionally attractive. Because even uh, Dakota, Dakota is even very light skinned. She's very yeah. thin. She's, She's very definitely pretty. like white passing. She and Tegan is queer. And as far as we know, so is Dakota. But they're queer in a way that is often seen as palatable to a wider audience. And that's an entire other thing that we need to talk about in wrestling because some of y'all have some really fucked up attitudes towards queer people. Not to mention just queerness in wrestling. But Alexa seems like she would have people she seems like the junior in high school that has like two freshmen following her around trying desperately to be like her bailey yeah seems like that one snarky asshole kid who kind of isn't afraid to be a clown but is still kind of a bitch you know what i mean as a heel completely different when she's face but she's the same as Seth. She's the same as Seth. Because Seth is also that, like, kind of, like, he has friends, but he kind of fucks them all over. So he doesn't keep them for long. But he's that ki- he's that kid who's by himself, who's kind of a clown, but he's also kind of an asshole and likes to be disruptive. That's the, that's the purpose that Bailey serves. She should just be the gender spectrum version of Seth for the women's division. Like, she shouldn't be leading a... a, a little squad of assholes that should be alexa because again wrestling i know everyone says wrestling is a soap opera but wrestling at the end of the day is just high school and those archetypes are very strong (laughs) in wrestling so there's no reason that we shouldn't have someone like alexa leading a little troop of just asshole women being assholes to other people and there was something real quick that i wanted to say don't construe this as us calling any of these women ugly or anything when we say conventionally attractive. 
Because obviously, a lot of people are going to look at Bianca and be like, oh, she's beautiful. And they're going to think in their head, oh, because she's beautiful, she's conventionally attractive. But that's not true because she's black and she's unapologetically black. And in the Western world. She's muscular. Yes. It's like, there's a different, like, when we say conventionally attractive, what we mean is like, by like, like. I white guess, supremacist patriarchal standards white, of yeah, the West. I, I was trying to avoid saying that, but, like, by, like, I'm white people's standards. <laughs> <laughs> by, like, white people's standards of, like, like beauty, be- white be- mm-hmm. European beauty standards, they don't fit those things versus somebody not. like Alexa, who is, like, your little Aryan goddess. Like, she's, yeah. like, she's, like, honestly, I see, I, I see, and this is part of, part of why I've never liked Alexa, I see Alexa as wrestling's Taylor Swift honestly yeah that's absolutely what she is like 1000 percent. and again i say that as someone who both likes alexa and honestly likes taylor swift up to red everything after that's pretty hit and miss like the whole like 1989 yeah but uh, But, yeah taylor swift's first self-titled album masterpiece fucking love that like teardrops on my guitar just uh what is it? Tim McGraw? Tim McGraw. Oh my god. One of the best country heartbreak songs on the planet. But yes, Alexa is absolutely serving that purpose in wrestling. And again, that's something that they're just not capitalizing on. They're just not capitalizing yeah. on what works best for these people. And what works best does not have to be what they have done over and over again. There are ways yeah. that you can take you what can, they've like, done do- over and over again and be new. Right. You can, like, expound upon, like, again, like, like we're saying, like, it's not necessarily, oh, she has to go and be that character. It just means take the strength she had playing in that character and come <clears> up with something <throat> else that, like, like, Sasha, she's been the boss her entire career, but, like, she's not been the exact same incarnation yeah. of that character. Instead of being like, oh, I'm the shy, timid girl who's coming out of her shell version of the boss, she became the grown adult, I've done stuff outside of the company, I'm the standard and the blueprint, I've accomplished all these things, and shown shown that change in her character arc, mm-hmm. while also still playing to her strengths as the boss character. And same thing with, like, Charlotte, and even, like, kind of, in a way, Roman, you know, that's our favorite woman. Itself, but, like, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite baby girl. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah. So that's not to say that's not to say that Alexa needs to go be. That doesn't mean that Alexa needs to go be God, the goddess again. That's not to say Nikki Cross has to go be like uh, naughty Nikki. That doesn't mean that Lacey Evans has to go be the sassy Southern Belle. But like, literally, just play into what made those things work so well change it just a little bit evolve it to fit who they are now and like run run home with it and on this last note before we move on to the next match don't bring someone back as a face don't bring someone back as a heel bring someone back and let the river take them where it flows because one of the things that didn't work with with lacy is that they brought her back with the intention of her being a face but you can't you cannot bring someone back and force them into a position you cannot like there are very few people that you can do that with like if roman for whatever reason had to stop wrestling for like two years and he came back he would come back as a face because it's like oh this is a huge deal and we all love him so you're probably going to be a face 
And when it with the stuff that they've done with some of the women is they bring them back immediately as one thing or another, and you cannot do that. Heel and face have to develop naturally. Like, you cannot, like, Roman, even though people will be like, oh, well, he was brought back as a heel, kind of, but he no, was on that trajectory. I, he was on that trajectory would... towards being a heel. One way or another, he would have ended up in the same place. If he had never gone on that hiatus, he still would have found a way to turn heel. We just would have seen it more gradually. I was but it say, just, like, it was, it think... looked sudden. I think, I don't even think that Romans was sudden, and I think that with what you're saying in terms of letting it happen over time, or even I think a way that I like that they've done it on TV, and I feel like they did this with Roman, was to let you see the heel turn happen. So, with Roman, I feel like it was a little bit gradual, because when Roman came back, it wasn't just, oh, I'm a bad guy now. You could tell something was different about him in that first initial thing, but it wasn't immediately like, I'm a bad guy. I'm, yeah. I fuck the fans, fuck this, fuck that. Like, it took, like, it literally took a good, like, three weeks for us to fully be like, okay, yeah, Roman is officially a heel. But, yeah. like, or if you're gonna do it, I feel like I keep bringing up Sasha, but, like, I feel like Sasha's a good, like, she's a good, like, example to point to for things. But, like, when Sasha came back, she came yeah. back looking the mm-hmm. same, but then you saw her rip the wig off, yeah. hit Natty, that was a heel turn. You saw the turn happen in front of your eyes so that you know that this change is happening versus like just bringing them back in a fucking vignette or bringing them back in a, in a promo package backstage promo and just saying, hi, hello, I'm Missy Evans. I know the last time I was doing this, this, that, and that, and like completely not even explaining why this change happened or why they're this person now, literally just bringing them back as something completely like, and then, and then you wonder why nobody buys into it. Like, especially with Lacey Evans, it was like, oh, my dad was. Ooh, sorry, you went out for a second. I'm not saying like this, this, oh, um, well, I think Clay just sits like Lacey Evans, like. Oop, they said don't say that bitch <laughs> well because i think the way that i started to say it sounded offensive. so i'm gonna rephrase it like when she came back i think that and i'm not saying this like to make light of her life story and i'm not saying her life story isn't like tragic in its own way like that i have nothing to do with that but my point being like for her to come on tv and just be like my dad was on drugs and this happened and that happened and it's like that's why you should feel sorry for me and root for me it's kind of like, okay, but what about all that other shit you did? Like, you know, it's just kind of like, why should I care? That's the story you give someone when they're first starting. That's not the story you give someone when we've seen them for literally, like, seven months come out, do nothing, and then go to the back just to fuck with people. Like... Literally. (laughs) But, like, I just... Or, like, like... I was just thinking, like, of all the things, like, Lacey Evans was such an entertaining heel. But she just, really like, all was. the things that she used to do. And she's been in heels since she, like, her and Bianca kind of, I think they both debuted in the Mae Young Classic in 2018. Yeah. And so, like, like literally since we've seen her, mm. seen Lacey Evans, she's had that character, and she's been a heel. So it's kind of weird to just come out of nowhere and be like, this is my life story, this is why you should feel bad. It's like, damn, bitch, didn't you, like... Didn't you threaten to fuck Charlotte Flair's dad to piss her off? Like, what happened to that? Are you not going to explain that shit? Because, like... see, and because that's part of the problem is... 
So I, I just want to give a few examples of what I think these good gradual turns were. So in 2019, when Seth Rollins hit the peak of his being a babyface but being a piece of shit, because he's Seth Rollins and every character he plays is a piece of shit, Seth Rollins still took some culpability for being the dickhead that he had spent years being. And if you're going to do that kind of thing where they went from being a heel to being a face... And you want them to continue being the same, like, if you want them to still hold on to what they used to do, you have them take some culpability for it. Now, that character was awful for many other reasons for Seth, but that's because he's God, it's God's will for him to play a bad guy. But the other examples that I think are, one is a very good example of a gradual face turn and the other is a very decent example of a gradual heel turn that culminated in a big moment brock lesnar has had a very good gradual face turn because brock stopped being you know the brock that everyone was angry at all the time and hated for no good reason and he started being this very entertaining long-haired bearded cowboy who wears rock and roll shirts like He had this very good, out of nowhere, (laughs) you know, turn where, because he came back to face Roman, and, but all of a sudden he wasn't just doing stuff that Brock Lesnar always did. He was being funny, and he was interacting with, with new people, and he was doing all this new stuff, and he had this new look. As much of a new look as someone as massive as Brock Lesnar can get. And the other one, that's a... A pretty, I thought, a pretty decent, well, I also don't think it was a heel turn, but this is what they intended, was Dean Ambrose. Um, And, of course, that ended up having some special circumstances, considering what happened with Roman. Yeah. But. That was good, though. It was, because he had never been allowed to just be a heel. He had never, he had never been allowed to just feel what he needs to feel. And I'm sure uh, when we eventually do an actual episode about John Moxley and Dean Ambrose, like an actual character look like we've done with others, uh, in the midst of us yelling at each other and disagreeing about things, um, <laughs> you know, it this this will obviously come up. And again, I don't think it was a heel turn. I think he was right to do what he did. Um, but that's a personal interpretation because fuck Seth Rollins. Uh but it was something that they very clearly, they built up to. You saw these little bits of him getting frustrated and him getting annoyed and him getting angry and him walking off and being like, just, but he was still there mm. for them enough that you were like, oh, when's the moment going to happen? And and then it did, for the worst reason possible. Um, And so that was a pretty good example of them gradually building to someone being a heel. Because, like, sometimes they just just don't want to put in the effort to doing something over a period of time. Which I understand. Wrestling is very... It's, It's an unsure world. And it's a world where a lot can happen all at once. And a lot can change all at once. So I understand why you feel like things need to be fast-tracked but in that understanding I also just feel like sometimes you just have to do what you can to take it slowly and so an hour in we should we can get to the next match which I mean 
Honestly, there's there's not a whole lot to talk about here. This match was good. It's AJ Styles and Finn Balor. It's good. That's it. There's literally nothing else to it. Their little lackeys on the side didn't really do anything. Like, there was no real interruption. At one point, they just brawled away from the ring. So that was whatever. AJ and Finn are good at what they do. They're gonna have a good match. That's that's literally all that happened. Is that it was it was a good match that was exactly like four minutes too long. <laughs> like it was <laughs> it was just four minutes too long. And that's all I have to say about that. Do you have anything to say about this match or this? I did not watch that. I literally don't waste your time on I... it. I watched, okay, so for Survivor Series, I watched Ronda versus Shotzi literally, like, when we started recording. Um, I have been watching the Women's War Games match now for about 50 minutes, because this match is long as shit. And honestly, like, I'm, now that I'm watching it, I'm forming opinions. I guess we can circle back to that. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) This needs its own episode. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I can sum it up in a sentence and say my opinions on this match is I don't think that it was produced well. There's a lot of things like it's almost it's it's not bad. It's almost it's almost good. There's just something that's not quite not con- quite clicking. Yeah. And I think it kind of has to do with the pr- production of the match. But that's really all I have to say. About I that. feel like they've um, had some production issues lately. I didn't lately. watch any of <laughs> the only yeah, and it's kind of crazy because it's not like there's anybody different producing these matches. It's been the same people. It's almost like they don't have some of the same reliable ring generals in the matches that they're used to having. But again, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> but, um, well, the one thing... I, okay, I will say this, too, about this match. Um, before, I was not excited about this match at all. Um, even with it being War Games, the, having the stipulation. But, like, something about it, just looking at the four teams, I was like... Honestly, like, generally speaking, these are all pretty solid women, except, mm-hmm. um, like, these are all, like, pretty solid women, except, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, but, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, but, but, like, I still kind of felt like I had this glaring feeling that the match was not gonna quite be what it should be considering the people who were in the match especially like we were talking about this in my group chat i was like honestly bianca Rhea, nikki eo and dakota have all been in war games matches before there's no reason that this match shouldn't be like top notch however it kind of went it's going slash went exactly how i expected it to yep and that's the problem it's just like not quite hitting on it's like those war games should have this feeling oh my god what the fuck am i even watching right now it just did not have that even some of the like really aggressive moments like there's no spots in this that i'm like really that wowed by um and i kind of feel like it's like the teams just weren't I don't know. Something, just something about it is not clicking. That's um, about how I came out of it. You know, it's just like like the match isn't bad. It's not like oh, this is horrible. There's it didn't boxes, suck. Blah, blah. It's, it didn't it, blow it, me away. Just, yeah, just okay. Um, but like, yeah, I didn't watch the other matches on the card because I was uh, outside. Um, <laughs> but I did just watch Shotzi versus Ronda, and I watched the. I literally made it home just as Seth theory bobby was ending 
and then the bloodline match started um so yeah i don't have opinions so, on aj styles versus finn balor because we already talked about how i feel about judgment day and i kind of just still stand in that yeah and i mean like i said they're both good enough that it's gonna be a good match it's just it wasn't outstanding and yeah. so now <laughs> so next match was ronda and shotzi and wait okay can i go first <laughs> you might as well you might as well because i got some thoughts (laughs) i i already know it's gonna be so funny when and honestly i think it's gonna be a surprise hearing this come from me too because i've also not been the biggest fan of ronda in the past but i'm actually gonna go out and defend her and shotzi um i don't do the wrestling twitters so I didn't really see what a, specifically was being said about this match while it was happening because I was driving a car at the time. Um, however, I have heard inklings and seen a couple tweets about like people. I've seen tweets about tweets about people hating on this match. Um, so I know that apparently it was not well received, but having just watched it like an hour ago, I don't really see where the hoopla is coming from. Was it like this classic grandstanding whatever? No, um, it wasn't. But considering all things considered, the, I'll say this, considering my expectations for this match, it was a pretty solid match in my opinion. I even kind of like, I feel like I was a little bit more invested and like wowed by that match than I am with this women's war games match. Um, I feel like the match was in most of the parts of it really smooth and honestly it's just like wrestling fans to see one mistake happen in a match and honestly base their entire opinion on the match on that one mistake like they botched this they botched this um, move on the eight ring apron this DDT that Shotzi's done a couple times before I again I didn't see the actual tweets of this but I saw tweets about tweets about um this where i guess people were blaming shotzi and i don't know how you look at that and think that's shotzi's fault at all but on the flip side of it having we us having just done this episode about botches it doesn't even fucking matter anyways like i'm sorry it that botches are gonna happen it's just gonna happen you just have to accept that it doesn't necessarily speak to the quality of a wrestler if they mess up one thing in a fucking match and honestly they had some other kind of interesting and fun spots in that match that went really well so i don't understand why y'all are hyper fixating on this one thing that went wrong and then also i like watched ronda's little clip talking about it and her explanation is completely and utterly valid and i understand where she's coming from and i don't blame her a bit my only thing that I would say to Rhonda, and I'm sure anybody who she works with and whose opinion she actually respects besides my own would probably tell her the same thing. And that's just like, girl, don't overthink it. And that's probably where she messed up was just overthinking it. And I've done the same thing in the ring. Honestly, there's like relatively easy things that I've messed up. Like literally I've almost broken my nose doing a fireman's carry. And it's not because I don't know how to take a fireman's carry. It's just because I was thinking about it too hard and I kept fucking my own self up. Like it happens sometimes that's just unfortunately what it's like being in a wrestling ring and i think that like kind of again to the point that we were making on the last episode talking about botches like 
I think that people, wrestling fans, ultimately don't know what it's like to be a wrestler unless you've done it. And even then, there are wrestlers who are kind of just, like, haters. And that's fine. But, like, as a wrestling fan, if you've never been in a ring, you don't know what it's like to be in a ring. And when you're a wrestler, there's a lot of things happening around you. And I can't imagine what that's like in a WWE space because WWE, you're wrestling for TV, you're wrestling on pay-per-view. There's a ref in your ear. Um, I think John Moxley has said that, like, the ref has, like, a thing in his ear. And sometimes you can hear them talking to the ref. And there's all these things. You're calling spots. you got to remember what you guys talked about in the back. you got to be cognizant of how you're landing and you're bumping safely, that you're protecting the person you're in the ring with, that you're selling properly. Like, honestly, there's so many things that goes into wrestling that it is honestly kind of a feat that more mistakes aren't made, even at the professional level of WWE. So I honestly feel like in defense of both Ronda and Shotzi, I don't care who you felt was the blame, get off their nuts a little bit because both women were trying their best. And according to Rhonda, she was like, well, they wanted to rehearse the spot because, you know, as much as shit as we talked about Rhonda and I, I'll kind of issue an apology, not again, not that my opinion matters to Rhonda Rousey, but like I'd issue an apology and say that, you know, I talked a lot of shit about her wrestling ability over the years and she is in something that's kind of hypocritical of me because I've defended other wrestlers, namely Lana, and that Lana basically learned to wrestle on TV. When she decided she wanted to be a wrestler, she had to learn a lot of these things the hard way in front of millions of people every week. And it's kind of a similar situation with Ronda where like a lot of the stuff that she's doing and that she's done, she's doing and has done for the first time ever on television. Honestly, I cannot imagine taking my first superplex on TV. I can't imagine taking my first suplex on TV because my first suplex I ever took, my coach thought I broke my damn neck because I, you know, like I didn't I didn't even jump high enough. So it looked really bad even though I landed safely. The point being like when you are starting out as a wrestler, you're not going to do everything perfectly because you're still learning and some of us have the unfortunate privilege, not some of us, but some of them have the unfortunate privilege of having to learn this craft in front of everybody. And Rhonda is one of those people. Um, and I kind of never really thought about that with her before. So I'll give her that now. And she said like, hey, like we couldn't rehearse the spot because they had the cages up for war games. Um, and we couldn't do it. She couldn't, they couldn't rehearse it on her her personal ring because her ropes were too loose and so literally the first time she ever did that spot she had to just have somebody verbally explain it to her and I don't know if Rhonda's anything like me and allegedly she has a learning disability so you know maybe she is a little bit like me but like I am a very visual and physical person I don't understand things when you explain it to me verbally you could tell me how to do something the steps to do it I will not get it until you show me and then I do it myself that's that's just it. And so, like, I don't know if the same round is the same way, but she said they told her what to do. They just kept drilling it in her head to make sure she got Shotzi over the rope safely. And she was really worried about making sure she protected Shotzi, that she kind of forgot that she actually had to sell the move, which honestly, 
not the best thing in the world, but it's completely and utterly understandable. I cannot really blame her for that. And honestly, accidents happen. So yeah, I think that people kind of need to lay off a little bit. I feel like the whole fire Ronda Rousey thing, I thought that was so fucking unserious before I even watched the match and before I even knew the full story of what happened. I just thought it was so unserious. I was like, y'all are so weird and stupid. And I don't even really like Ronda Rousey. Like, um, but like now too, having seen the match and seen everything, I think everybody's just being really overdramatic about it. Like the match was not that bad. It was like honestly pretty solid. And like it's just Sorry everyone. Naya has apparently gone away for a second. It looks like we have finally reached our uh our, you know, usual point where clean feed is like, hey, you don't need a co-host. So we will be back in just one second. It won't show us anything to you. I'm so, oh, right as every single time, right as every single time, right as I say this, every single time, I'm like, oh, Naya's gone away for a second. And then I see Naya's little bubble popping up. It's like, Naya is connecting. So... And I'm glad it's, she got this it's, opportunity. It's amazing that Clean Feed took 72 minutes before it was like, fuck you, to Naya. Yeah. So that, I yeah. believe, is a new record, listeners. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Clean Feed hates me and my wrestling opinions. Maybe I should shut the fuck up. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know where it cut me off at, but like, yeah, I guess that's my that's my thoughts. That's enough of that. And <laughs> we can circle back around to my thoughts on Shotzi. <laughs> Well, the other day, I was scrolling along Tumblr, and I saw someone mention on a friend of mine's post, they had, they had sent him an anon, and they were talking about how a lot of the people who take the critique, air quotes, mm-hmm. excuse me, of Ron and Shotzi's match way too far... And use it as an excuse to just be a misogyny at what they believe is an acceptable target. Um, because a lot of people in the fandom, especially a lot of progressive people in the fandom, uh, view Rhonda as an acceptable target for misogyny. Uh, so that kind of prompted me to be even angrier about this than I usually am, because it's true. And... Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but just because you don't like someone doesn't mean that you get to be a bigot towards them. Sorry to tell you that. I'm sure that will be frustrating news to many of you. And for a ever since Rhonda has come back, pretty much, I have held the opinion that she has done nothing but improve. She has done nothing but get better. Her wrestling is better. Naya has gone away for another second. Naya's coming back for a second. Sorry, guys. Clean feet, I guess, was just like, this is the point in which only one of you gets yeah. to talk. Um, <laughs> but either way, Rhonda has just gotten better. She's, and I, I, every single time I see people talking about her, I see people be like, her wrestling is so much worse this time. And I'm just like, she has actively trained consistently with new people learning new things, getting better since when she started training to come back. So I don't know if everyone is just blinded by their hatred of her so much so that they can't see what is literally happening in front of their eyes, but I cannot help but compare it to the situation with Lars Sullivan. Because 
as we all know, Lars Sullivan once said some problematic things on a message board, and then everyone decided to hate him. Even though, you know, some of your faves you know, have said some pretty shitty <laughs> stuff in the past, and, you know, <laughs> Moxley have, you know, never gotten, I, I hate to use the word canceled, but this is actually an event where someone did get essentially canceled, and people acted like he was the single most garbage wrestler they have ever seen in their fucking life. And was he, was he an Eddie Guerrero? No. Was he a Kurt Angle? No. Was he a Roman Reigns? No. Did he suck? No. He was not a bad wrestler. Because this is a problem y'all have with every single fucking person. Because some of y'all will be like, oh, Sasha Banks is a shitty wrestler. And what you mean, what you mean, people do this with Roman too, what you mean is that you don't like them as a person. What Ooh, you mean is I... that you don't like... I have a tweet, sorry. Somebody literally <laughs> sent me a tweet of this. It was... Shout out to Taryn. Honestly, Taryn is like, at times Taryn is the backbone of the IWC. But she literally said this. She was like, people were bending over backwards to justify how deep that DDT was Shotzi's fault instead of just being like, well, I don't like Shotzi, so I'm going to blame her. Wrestling and Twitter has this big ass problem with just being honest. And that is the truth. Like, And here's it, the fucking and- thing. I don't like Rhonda as a person. She's a weird ass Sandy Hook truther and a transphobe and she's never apologized for any of it. She's a weird person. She's a weird, not great person. I don't like Shotzi. I think she's annoying. I don't have any beef with her, necessarily, though some of y'all do give her a pass on things that you wouldn't give other people a pass on, but... Like, I don't like her, either. I don't like either of these people. They're both annoying and weird, and I don't like them. And I'm still sitting here defending them nonstop because I'm apparently the only person who is willing to look to overlook any issues I might have with a person and recognize that they're I hate I fucking hate Seth Rollins for the most part and I can still look and be like that was amazing he did a really good job I can do that with anybody except maybe Becky and CM Punk but that's because they've reached a new level but even if Becky did have a match that was just genuinely so amazing, I would be able to at least be like, you know what? That didn't suck. She just hasn't done that yet. But with Rhonda and Shotzi, and again, it's with Rhonda more than anyone else because I'm willing, I see a lot more people that I know that I am in the same circles as give Shotzi a pass because they like her as a person and a character. But God forbid... If you say, if you compliment Rhonda, you get torn the fuck apart. Because apparently it is unacceptable to give her a compliment. It's unacceptable to call her physically attractive. And listen, maybe she's not everyone's type. She's a beautiful lady. Especially when she's got lighter hair and doesn't do the braids and heavy makeup. When she came out in Saudi Arabia in her gi with her hair in a ponytail and no makeup, I was blown the fuck away. Because I was like, wow, that looks like a really adorable, pretty lady. And she did amazing in that match. Like, people, people ripped on her in that match so much. They were like, oh, she did such a bad job. Thank God Charlotte was there. No, 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 no. Sonya did bad in that match. You guys are stupid. <laughs> like, Rhonda has done nothing but get better each and every time she gets in the ring. She is trying new things. She is pitching new things. At Extreme Rules. It was Extreme Rules where she faced Liv, right? I'm, I'm not losing my mind. Yeah, I yeah. believe so. 
at Extreme Rules. She was trying to pitch stuff, and they were like, well, unfortunately, we can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. She wanted to do things. She's trying. She's trying, and no one will recognize that, and that's frustrating to me, because it's the same thing as the Lars Sullivan situation, because you know what Lars Sullivan actually did that gave him a step up on Ronda? He actually apologized. He apologized to people and tried to do better. And people that he worked with, people that he worked with, not bitch-ass fans who don't fucking know these people, and I feel like I have to say that on every single episode now, we don't know them. What they do is not up to us. And <laughs> and people that worked with him forgave him and were willing to work with him, but fans would not shut the fuck up. And, be, and that, mixed with the fact that I guess he wasn't improving air quotes fast enough, they ended up releasing him. And it's like... <sighs> I don't even think it was the improving. I think it's just because he had other shit going on and WWE just kind of chose to cut their losses, which they tend to do to some people, which isn't really a good thing, but, well, like... other people. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it's so fucking stupid, because y'all do this all the fucking time. When you don't... This is half of the reason. People will say that Brock Lesnar is a dangerous and bad wrestler... And, th- and and genuinely think that's reality just because they don't like him. If you don't like a person, just say that you don't like them. Don't lie. Don't act like they're not good at what they do. And another thing, don't, like you said, with the, the botched move that everyone keeps talking about, don't act like you know what the fuck you're talking about. You don't. We had an entire episode about that. None of y'all know what the fuck you're talking about. And none of us have the right to sit here and and get on to these women who try their best and who are trying continually to improve and do better, especially when one of them went on to her stream and was like, yeah, I totally fucked that move up and that was my fault. Because she did the same thing with Liv. She, unlike a lot of your motherfucking faves, is actually working with these women who have not gotten a lot of shots before and who have said, and has said explicitly, I'm doing this because I want to work with these people and because I want to get them time. She said that just honestly and directly. And y'all will not give her the time of day. And I get it. She's a dickhead in real life. I still love on the anniversary when UFC tweets about... Holly Holm kicking her in the face or Amanda Nunes knocking her out because I think that shit's great. But the fact that y'all cannot let your personal issues with a person stop, like, not like, that makes you not able to see their ability in the ring is unbelievable to me because it just makes you seem like a dumbass. I said this before and like I don't know I think I want to say that the person that I said this to kind of got really upset but I was like you can say just say why you don't like somebody this has like been one of my issues with the IWC for a really long time is that people have such a hard time just saying what they mean like I I gotta use my boys as an example but like the Usos for example I know so many people who don't like the Usos, and it's fine. I don't give a shit if you like the Usos or not, but say why you don't like them. Yeah. Because you're going to, because especially if you used to like them and then they did something and now you don't like them anymore, just say that. 
I I used to like them. They said the N-word. I don't like them anymore. That is completely understandable. I'm never going to fight you on that. You know, you're very valid in feeling that way. But to be like, I, but, but to be like, they suck. They're not a good tag team. They're this, they're that. Like, it's stupid. It's stupid to me. And I feel, I know people are going to make the argument like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if they did something problematic. They did something problematic. It's like, okay, but aren't you kind of like taking away from the like, power of what they did wrong by like not even by not even bringing that up and instead trying to justify your distaste for them by using their wrestling instead of again just like saying what you actually don't like about a person like that's really 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 what it is like I don't like like for example I don't have a problem with Becky Lynch as a person in real life and I'll tell you that all day long but just because I don't have a problem with her in real life doesn't mean I have to like her as a wrestler and I don't really like her very much as a wrestler I find her to be boring the same thing with Drew McIntyre I actually think Drew McIntyre is a really great guy and I hope all good things happen to him that being said I think the guy is boring as hell like and that's fair like and you can and it can be that and it's like the same thing vice versa where somebody you don't have to you don't have to say that somebody sucks as a wrestler you don't have to say that somebody's untalented because they're problematic and you also don't have to like somebody just because they're not problematic you know and like, like the unfortunate what you mean the unfortunate reality of the world is that problematic people are often nigh has gone once again fucking clean i'm sorry guys i know this keeps happening usually i would pause but you know it it is what it is the unfortunate thing about the world is that and especially in wrestling and this happens a lot in wrestling is that problematic people (coughs) excuse me excuse me problematic people are often extremely talented like we see that in wrestling all the time there are a lot of just absolute shit kickers and and especially even more than in wrestling in mma in mma some of the most talented fucking game-changing motherfuckers are the single worst people you have ever seen in your life. Like, my favorite MMA fighters in the world are Tito Ortiz and Frank Mir, who are currently off-starting the, like, freedom-fighting uh, fucking whatever, where it's just a bunch of conservatives who have been, air quotes, canceled fighting, and at the same time, they were both stupidly good back in their day. Tito Ortiz was one of the biggest names in MMA for a long time because not only was he just good at it, but he was Connor before Connor was Connor. Tito was a professional wrestling fan. He understood how to market himself, how to make MMA a big deal. And Frank Mir is the single most unique and as far as I'm concerned, the best heavyweight in history. Because he was so different from what everyone else was doing. And they're both awful, awful human beings. And that happens a lot in wrestling. Ronda, terrible human being. But an ever-improving wrestler. Austin Theory, who we're going to talk about in a second and people are going to be mad at me. Has obviously done some things, or at least I should say allegedly done some things, because again, I there's a lot of back and forth on whether or not that's been proven or unpro- unproven? That sounds like the right word. <laughs> but he is undeniably a very talented young man. 
shit, Stone Cold Steve Austin beat his wife. And <laughs> and he <laughs> I'm not is, Oh my god, I'm not laughing I'm not laughing <laughs> I'm not laughing at him beating his wife. I'm laughing at the way that you said it. <laughs> it was just the way you went Stone Cold Steve Austin beat his wife. Like it, sorry, it was funny. <laughs> Naya I'm an entertainer. What can I say? Naya does not find domestic violence to be um, a joking matter. But this however, is, for, this is unrelated for, to that. But I just had the weirdest impulsive thought I've ever had. I just wanted to drink a snow globe. Sorry. I love like, that for you. But like, I mean, people get onto wrestlers for their politics all the time. And how long did The Rock vote Republican? Damn man voted for Bush. Bush and Cheney. Bush and Cheney! Like, you don't get to be... And, and the thing is, and I think we've talked about this before, at the end of the day, all it does is show that every single wrestling fan has double standards. And that's fine. Oh, sure. Everybody gets to have double standards. Just I'll stand in people... your truth about that shit, honestly. Uh, yes, I rip on people for being problematic shitheads all the time. I rip on Punk for being a problematic shithead all the time. Because that dude's a dick. But I love Brock. <laughs> you know, I love that man. He makes my life better. And just admit it. That's all I'm that's all I think that needs to happen with Rhonda, with all these other people. Just admit that you don't like them as a person. That's that's all. And, and honestly, just the say the Shotzi hate is so fucking unwarranted anyways because the only reason half of you fucking incels don't like her is because <laughs> she made a joke about that fucking Chris Jericho spot. Literally, everyone, <laughs> yeah, everyone that was funny loved, when she did that. Yeah, everyone loved Shotzi <laughs> and then she did that and now all of a sudden all these fucking fanboys Which, hate her so much. Like, let's not act like even though Chris Jericho was a whiny piss baby, he probably did get a chuckle out of that. He, he wouldn't admit did. it. And also, let's sit here and act like Chris Jericho wouldn't, like, if literally, if the roles were reversed and if somebody in WWE had a spot that flubbed that bad, he would 100% be on Twitter. Absolutely. Fun of it. So for him, for him to be such a big bitch about that is just, oh God, I'm supposed to be not saying everything that comes to my brain. But like, honestly, it's come out of my mouth now, so I can't take it back. For him to be such a big bitch about that is like so, like, like, dude, let's not see an act like you would not have, like, ripped on whoever that was. Get ready for like, our first merch launch where it's just Chris Jericho's head on Kyle Broflowski's mom's body where it says, Chris Jericho is a bitch. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the South Park movie, so that joke may not hit with you. But I have not seen the South Park movie. Everybody watch the South Park movie. It's fucking amazing. Easily. Ironically enough, I was I was allowed to watch some of the most problematic adult shit as a child, but I was not allowed to watch South Park. I don't know. The... I wasn't allowed to watch <laughs> South Park until, like, we got to, like, middle school, and then we started hanging out at my grandpa's house a lot, and we were unsupervised, and he had cable. So we started, like, pirating South Park episodes, and we would watch them after they uh, released, and... I don't care. It's a good show. Speaking of problematic shit, it's a good show. If you don't get it, that's on you. But, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll end my discussion of the Ronda and Shotzi match at that. And then the next match was the triple threat match, which honestly was as good as I thought it was going to be. 
I, it wasn't surprising, I won't say, um, because I, like I said, Austin is very good at what he does. Seth is, unfortunately, very good at what he does. Bobby is very good at what he does. I feel like having Austin's youthfulness and his energy mixed with Seth's kind of cerebral approach and Bobby's just flat-out strength I thought was an excellent mix. I really enjoyed this match. I did think there were a few things that I, I thought could have been tweaked, but it, it was nothing glaring. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was just a very well-produced, well-put-together, well-paced match. So I was entirely pleased, and I was also pleased with the outcome, because, like, sorry guys, I like Austin. <laughs> you know, I, I understand that that's a not-great stance to take in the public sphere, but like I had just said, regardless of what someone has done, I can recognize when they are talented. And unfortunately for all of us, Austin Theory is talented enough to be a big deal in the future. And if you don't like him, I highly suggest the wonderful coping mechanism of turning it off or muting the TV because <laughs> tweets don't speak to these people. I okay, actual listen. numbers speak to these people. I said this about Austin Theory like a cool year ago, I think. Like since he started getting like the Vince McMahon rub. I was like, you guys, especially when it comes to Austin Theory and Matt Riddle, I will put in there. I'm sorry. And I I don't I think that both of them are good wrestlers, but Honestly, I feel like neither of them are doing anything right now that I find particularly, like, outstanding. I think that they're both solid wrestlers in the ring, but I'm just not that interested in them enough to be like, I like Matt Riddle or I like Austin Theory. Um, but with that being said, um, they're both not going anywhere. Like, I feel like I've, I said that, like, a year ago. I'm like, you guys are just going to either, like, have to, like, learn to put your money where your mouth is in terms of, like you said, turning that shit off. And, like, booing them and, like, not even booing them, but, like, not giving them a reaction in person so that they could be seen as, like, the crowd doesn't give a shit about you. Because, honestly, um, all this internet bitching, it does nothing. When you go to the shows, and it's not just them two, it's a lot of wrestlers who people, like, you go online and they get a lot of hate, so you think that nobody likes them. But you, like, uh, again, the Usos. The Usos get so much hate online, but I've never... In the past two years that I've been going to shows that, like, consistently when they come here, I've never been to a show where the Usos didn't get one of the biggest pops of the night or that they didn't have, like, consistent crowd engagement through the entire match. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing. Matt Riddle, I'm sorry. I have not been to a show where Matt Riddle didn't get a pop. Yep. Never. Even, like, we went went to, sorry, we went to SmackDown earlier this year. We were all just standing out waiting for the wrestlers. And it was only like ten or fifteen of us out there, and everybody popped for Austin Theory. Like yeah. <laughs> people like them. I'm so sorry. Like because here's the thing: me. the people on the IWC don't like them. People who watch wrestling do, because there's yeah. a difference. People on the IWC are people who self-importantly talk about wrestling. People who go to shows and who watch pay-per-views and who watch it every Friday with their kids or with their buddies and Monday and Tuesday and all that, they like them. Because, again, it sucks the stuff they've done, 
but they're really good at their jobs and they're really entertaining. Austin, his whole gimmick when he was running around being Vince's boy toy, that was funny as shit. His stuff with the way, oh my god, him and Johnny are fucking comedy geniuses together. I will say that was like, I, I, and we all know that I'm not really a huge fan of Johnny Gargano either, but even I, I think we had this conversation like a good (laughs) bit of times. I was like, dude, like, they are so entertaining. Like, for me to, like, I did not like Austin Theory. I didn't, I've never even been that big of a fan of Candice LeRae. But when they were doing The Way, all four of them were so fucking entertaining. <laughs> it was stupid. <laughs> it was so good. And then they added Dexter yeah. and the Index. Index yeah. forever, by the way. Like, it, they, like, it just showed, like, how good they are. And that's the thing. I don't think a lot of people liked Austin that much before that. He was just kind of a random low mid-carder. But he's he, a little bit of a like a creative wrestler almost with when like he seems like more of a creative wrestler until he gets those chances yes. to kind of like really entertain you. And, but and when he gets those chances he does it. And that's the thing with this with this change that he's going through, which is famously what I said that they need to do. They needed to he needed to be humiliated so that he could grow. And he's gone through that humiliation So now we are seeing him grow into a more serious character. Because everyone was like, oh, Hunter is burying Austin. And I'm like, no. Hunter oversaw literally all of the way. He likes him. Like. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like. Again. He's very good at what he does. Matt Riddle is very good at what he does. Matt Riddle is, unfortunately, even back to his days on The Ultimate Fighter, a very funny man. <laughs> like, yeah. he is just genuinely so... He's an entertainer. Yes, he's an entertainer. He's just a funny person. Like, if you watch the season of The Ultimate Fighter he was on, he was just a funny person to be around. And he's also a, a good wrestler, you know? He's not my favorite, no. but he's... But he's... Ooh. Ooh. Sorry, guys, we had an AirPod miss out. Um, <laughs> but no, that, it's, I, I was just saying that Matt Riddle is very entertaining. He's funny. He's good in the ring. There's, he's literally, and he's also got the whole, like, 420 weed bro thing going on. He's yeah. built for casual fans to think he's the funniest shit. Yeah. And Austin is kind, Austin understands that to be a great wrestler you have to look stupid, like, it in varying degrees. And he's willing to let himself look stupid. And that's what makes him successful. And and also, at one, one of these days we're going to have to talk about how y'all want people to be serious all the time and how that doesn't really work, does it? It doesn't. Like, Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle did not be one of the greatest wrestlers in history without wearing the tiny little cowboy hat and singing Jimmy Crack Corn loudly and badly while playing a guitar. It's so, it's like Big E, too, which I, I said this with Big E, like, they were like, well, now that, now that Big E is WWE champion, he needs to be serious, and I'm like, okay, so... You liked him because he. You liked him because he is who he was, mm-hmm. or he is who he is, and now you want him to not be who he is mm-hmm. because why exactly? And then if they do turn them serious, then you're gonna be the first people to be like they're boring. 
yeah like let people let if things are working for people let them do what's working stop trying to make people change and be other shit that doesn't that's not necessary like not every wrestler needs to be 100% serious all the time because guess what wrestling started in the carnivals wrestling in and of itself is not serious it just isn't it's a fucking fucking sideshow it's crazy so let wrestling be that and you will enjoy it a lot more um i've talked sorry go ahead i've talked about this many times on twitter on tumblr on here comedy works because at what like the princess bride is always the best example of this that i have ever seen anyone give because all throughout the movie, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepared to die, is a little, is a joke. It's a punchline throughout the movie. Until at the end, when he's finally face to face with the man who killed his father, and the man at, and the man is like saying, what can I do? And he says something along the lines of, you can bring my father back, and then he kills him. Because he finally says... My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die to the man who actually killed his father. Comedy works because the best comedy that works is a joke that's funny until it's not. And we, we've seen this in wrestling. Kofi Mania. Kofi is a fun guy. He's just a, a happy, just cheery, wonderful, funny man who I everyone would love to be around because he's just so pleasant and so wonderful. And he's goofy and he's willing to be kind of a a clown and his whole like trying to get to the top was kind of seen as a joke because it had this long line of like the stuff with randy orton and when he was you know forced to have that stupid accent so much of his career was a joke until it wasn't and that's what made it mean something big e was much was much the same way all of it was all of it was a joke because he was a funny big loud presence of a human being until it wasn't funny because it was something that meant something to him and wrestling is one of the most prominent examples of that of that rule for comedy is that things are funny until they're not. And y'all can't be mad when wrestlers are funny until they're serious or they're serious until they're funny. Because one of the other great rules of comedy is that sometimes the straight man has to break. And y'all do not want your straight men to break. Y'all do not want your straight men to have moments of being goofy and stupid and funny without real like, and, and that's the thing is you guys don't realize that every single person has to have those moments. Kane, the undertaker, all of the biggest badasses, badasses men that you have seen in wrestling have had to have moments where they were like, oh, I'm gonna get this puppy out of a giant box. Or I'm going to get vomited on. Or this dude is going to kick a baby into the crowd and it's going to piss me off. Like, there's so many times where it's just been the most clownish, stupid shit on the planet and that's what makes it work. 
Because you can't be serious in wrestling 100% of the time. And that's one of the reasons why certain other people in certain other companies will never actually truly be successful or even truly be good at the job. Because they won't sit there and let themselves be made a fool of. <laughs> like, I, I won't name any specific names right now, but there are a lot of people at specific companies that I won't name that seem so averse to being a fool because they think that they have to have some kind of fan cred that makes them better and superior to others. And that's just not how it works. That's just not how it works at all. Like, even in Lucha Underground, I'll give that as, as a kind of out there example. <sighs> All of these characters were very, for the most part, were very serious. And they still had moments where something goofy or stupid happened. And I just don't quite understand how y'all do not understand that yet. Especially when half of y'all's favorite wrestler is Seth Rollins, who is like the epitome of a guy who was like, yeah, I'll get Nickelodeon slimed in the face. That's, that's cool. And who's like, yeah, I'll come out in the most feminine outfit outside of a drag queen show that you've ever seen. Like, all of these things that most people think of as humiliating... Well, again, that's something we need to talk about if we ever end up talking about queerness in wrestling. But, like, Seth is willing to be made a fool of. And and y'all get... And some of y'all get so upset over that. Like, some of y'all get so upset if if your fave ends up, like, getting a pie in their face or something. And I'm like, baby, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not. Like. <laughs> Child, especially, especially them damn indie darlings. I'm sorry. Ooh. When them indie, especially when them indie darlings come to WWE or get called up from NXT. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's the end of their life as they know it. Oh, how mm -hmm. dare you put a pie in Tony Storm's face like that? Like, girl, it's really not that serious. Like, it's really not. It's just not. But anyway, that's pretty much all. I mean, from I literally only caught the, like, the dead end of this match. Um, like, like, the last couple of spots. I would say, like, <laughs> me giving my opinion on these matches literally based off what I think of the matchups. I would say that I expected this match to be, like, pretty decent because... Seth, Bobby, and and um, the other guy have like really they have really different ring styles, but they also their ring styles are all different in a way that's like interesting to watch yeah. come together. Like, and she went out again. Okay, guys, I, um, we're back. That was yeah. That was Shout a out lot. to technical difficulties. Um, Shout out to my family not leaving me any cookies. Um. But um, what were we talking? Oh yeah, so we we were just finishing I, up the triple threat match. Honestly, yeah, I only saw the dead end of it. Obviously, as a Seth fan, I'm very like sad that he lost the U.S. title because, uh, and it's very much like where is he going now? And it seems the answer to that question is nowhere. So he needs to go to NXT and fight that Carmelo Hayes young man. Yeah, that would be lovely. I, I, somebody in one of my group chats, I think, um, said they seem to think that he, they're trying to just go ahead and set him up for Roman, which I don't really see how that works, but 
Um, I'm not dying for it like I was before, but I am not opposed to it if they I at am. least give them if they give them more than three weeks to build the storyline, then sure, fuck it, who cares? Um, but again, like at this point in both Seth and Roman's stories, I'm just not really dying for it the way I was before. Um but yeah, I just kind of like if anything, I was more like, who the fuck did Seth piss off backstage that they are really like digging him into the ground like this? Like, I don't know, it's kind of weird because Seth has simultaneously had a really good year and like a really shitty year because he's lost so much. But in I know you're not going to disagree, you're not going to agree with this because you know you're in your fuck Seth era, but like. To me, and I think to a lot of other people, Seth has done some of his, like, best work this year in terms of, like, as a character and just, like, getting over. And it's, like, he's really, really fucking over. And he's not being rewarded for it at all, which is really strange. But, you know, I'm also at a point as a wrestling fan where I'm, like, willing to just watch things play out in its entirety before getting really angry and upset about them. So that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm like, am I the biggest Austin Theory fan? Even though we just had a full conversation about that, I still am personally not that big on Austin Theory, um, but that's just me. And I don't speak for all of wrestling fans. So we'll see what happens, I guess. I think it's so interesting to see Pete, to talk to people who think that Seth is like having a bad time. <laughs> Cause I'm just yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like a weird kind of like it's not even slippery slope where it's he's not, not even, really having a bad year, but it it on paper he is, but he's not really. Cause yeah, it it doesn't really seem to me like he's getting any manner of negative treatment. I mean, people joke about him like, or I mean, maybe seriously talk about like him being buried or something or not getting the respect he deserves, and I'm like. Do y'all really think Hunter would let that man go out there in a full lace suit if he didn't like that boy? Like, <laughs> like he he Seth is at Seth is literally at the point in his career where he can just do whatever, like, <laughs> and that's clearly what he's he's in his this is his current period of I'm just gonna do whatever. Like, he kind of just did whatever with Cody. He did whatever with Roman. He did whatever with Austin and Bobby. Like, and that's really not a bad place to be because is he, like, making, like, record-holding title reigns or anything? No. Does he need to? No. But, like, <laughs> he's, like, getting, like, big-name matches. Like, he was Cody's first feud back. He has, like got to do a ton of stuff and he's got to i'm sorry the cody thing is the only one where i'm like okay they were really fucking with seth because they really had this man lose to somebody who was injured like are you kidding me that it, like it's it's not the end of the world but also just like when you think about it it's like why he cody was going anyways there's no reason seth couldn't have beaten him but again it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things sure there is <laughs> cody's supposed to look like a superman how okay. else do you like like cody. a superman Fuck if that you bitch. don't i'm sorry i didn't mean that cody if you're listening i didn't mean that but i no no, no she did she did she did <laughs> don't listen to I her I i've never said anything bad about cody in my life <laughs> 
I uh... forgot where I was for a second. <laughs> yes, those are things you say before and after we record. Silly. It's see because we take usually, some time. it's good. It's gonna take some time. Listeners may not know this, but we do spend like forty-five minutes before we start recording talking, and we often spend like an hour and a half after we're done recording talking because we have many things to say to each other. But um, many I mean, of which oh, I can't say in front of other people. Overall, I mean, if you were gonna pick between watching like AJ and Finn's match or watching. The triple threat match. Watch the triple threat match. It's better. It's more interesting. It's got more stakes to it. I mean, it's just overall a much more compelling match. And finally! The meat and potatoes. God, I'm out of breath. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, I want to say, though, I feel like... I don't know, maybe once I start talking, I'll have more to say, because that's usually what happens when I talk about the bloodline. But, like... I think if I were to write my thoughts down about this match, I kind of only have two major points to make. I mean, (laughs) at the end of the day, I'm not terribly on a different spot because, again, I liked this match. Yeah. It was good. Um, But how do I want to say this? (sighs) There were large periods of both War Games matches... Where wrestling was happening, but it felt like it was like watching, like, two low-card people fight. And that, I don't think is really the fault of anyone involved. I think it's a production issue, because we've seen all, like, all of these, like, groups of people, like, interacting with each other in a way that was compelling and interesting. (sighs) But, like, when it was, like, Jay... Like, I had fun watching Jay and Pete Dunne. I thought that was really... Because I... I, We haven't seen a lot of them one-on-one before. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting to see Jay have to fight somebody who, like, is a rabid little raccoon who's trying to eat his fingers. And I was a little disappointed. I was very excited. Sorry. For obvious reasons, I was very excited about that matchup. Like, the minute they announced this match, I was like, I can't wait for Jay and Pete to interact because they're both, like, little... They're, like, exactly like each other. I love them. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I was just gonna say, I was a little disappointed that it didn't seem like they were focusing so much on Jay's recent injured wrist. Again, they did this with Becky. It's the same thing. They had these, like, injuries that had been talked up, but then they just didn't do that. And that seems weird to me. But I did enjoy that part. And let me... Hold on. Let me look up just so that I can remember exactly how the... Not that. How the... Let me see if I have that. Um, Yeah. It was Jay and Pete and... Then they had Rich Holland come in, and that's... And I like Rich Holland. He's just perfectly fine. But that was a point where it kind of became like a... Because it was... it Because was, there's... In every War Games match, and this is true of literally even the ones I love, even the ones back in the day, when it's that part where it's like in the first half where it's like two on one, that's just boring. Because you know exactly how it's going to go. So, like, yeah. that's... That's a non-issue. And then it, it did get more interesting 
when Sammy came in because that's when you started to get into like the kind of character work and you got into Jay and Sammy's relationship and I was like oh okay yeah this this is what I wanted this is interesting you know what I mean and it was like you know it was it that that part was fine where it was two on two because then things get a little more interesting and of course the Jay and Sammy relationship has been so contentious for so many months that it was you know obviously the hype of the match was the hype of the match wasn't even necessarily the the match, this is, I, th- this, this can be seen as a benefit or a detriment to this match. I was literally going to say but, the exact same thing. But. I, I know what you're about to say. Sorry. But, uh, the match wasn't really what mattered. Like. Yeah. It was what was going on in the bloodline. And like I said, this, that's, depending on how you look at it, that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because at no point, at no point, did I think that the bloodline, the bloodline was going to lose. Yeah. And at no point did it feel like there were any real stakes in any direction. It just felt like this was a long-form character study on Jay Uso and Sami Zayn. Which, again, I, at the end of the day... It, I don't mind, especially because it wasn't a bad match. Like, it was a perfectly watchable, enjoyable match. It was still, again, a little less hardcore than I think it should have been. I'm used to some pretty crazy War Games matches. Like, and (laughs) it's just, it, it just, it felt like some good possible setups were kind of, for like, future feuds... Or future matches, even just one-off matches, were kind of tossed to the wayside in order for the bloodline to do their thing. And I think it was one of those like necessary sacrifices because, <sighs> at the end of the day, the bloodline is their biggest and most important act. So they're gonna have um, to do what they can to make that work. Um. And sorry, were you gonna? I was just gonna say, yeah, kind of. I saw I saw somebody say, and I think I ended up quote tweeting this tweet. I saw somebody kind of try and throw Sheamus and the brutes in them under the bus a little bit, and kind of say that it was like their fault that the match, like that they didn't really shine as much in the match. Mm-hmm. And I just I I said then that honestly I think that would have happened no matter who yeah. they went against, uh, who the bloodline went against, yeah. because. Because the entire, like, pretty much the entire purpose of the match was, like you said, it was more about Sammy and Jay's dynamic than about the match itself. Yeah. Which, like, again, which you which you said earlier, it was both, like, a good thing and a bad thing. Um, it's kind of, like, it really, I guess, depends on, like, how much you care about the Bloodline storyline mm-hmm. and, like, yeah. how much you cared about really wanting to see a War Games match. Because it really it felt like the match wasn't about even war games it kind of like you said there wasn't really the stakes there it didn't really Mm -hmm. it kind of didn't even feel like it mattered that the brutes were there at all which they only served to be as to be a a a conflict in which sammy and jay could overcome together you know you know i'm not gonna lie that's a little bit of the problem i had with the women's war games match too because like in all of nxt's war games matches and even if we go back further to WCW's War Games match, because 
one of WW one of WCW's most prominent War Games matches, right, was between the NWO. So it was oh, it was Hulk. It was Scott. It was Kevin. Oh my God, who was the fourth guy? Um, it was Fake Sting. It was Fake Sting against I want to say Flair, Mach. Oh my gosh. Luger, and it was supposed to be real Sting, right? So, in that match, there were obviously the stakes of the NWO is trying to control WCW. And the NW, the WCW guys are trying to get the NWO guys out. And there was the secondary storyline of fake Sting versus real Sting, and there was another storyline of Sting, the real Sting, feeling betrayed by his best friend and the company he had worked so hard for. So that he came in, attacked the fake Sting, and then just kind of left. And after the match, one of the issues I think actually that I had with it is that we didn't see anything after the match. And this was something that I that was kind of a problem in NXT too. Because in WCW, after some of the War Games matches, they would have, like, these big moments afterwards. Like, in the one I'm talking about, um, one of my all-time favorite dramatic moments in all of wrestling happened. Where, uh, they're all beaten up on Macho Man, and Miss Elizabeth, who had been kind of joining the NWO, comes out, and she covers Macho Man with her body, trying to protect him, and... At the same time, Lex Luger is literally crawling on the ground up the ramp, crying out for Sting. And, like, War Games, to me, is supposed to serve a little bit of, like, extra cunty drama. And I I just didn't, even with the Bloodline stuff, I just didn't get all of that until... Pretty much about the very end with uh, Sammy and Kevin and Jay. Because that's where it was really like, oh, you know, there was a moment. But up until that, it was just like, okay, wrestling, you know? Like, and and that's fine. Again, this is their first War Games on the main roster. I'm going to just hope that if they do it again, it gets better. But... I don't know, like... it's. Oh, no. Naya has gone away again. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We'll be back. Clean, <laughs> yeah, clean I mean, feet. Yeah. Are we good? Sorry. Are we good? Sorry, guys. Again, I know that doesn't seem like anything to you guys, but this is... Either it's a hardware issue on, on your end, or it's a, a software issue. I'm not really sure. It could be both. I may be looking into new places to record. Uh, so, we will, we will figure that out later. But... Um. Yeah, I was but, talking yeah. about Sammy and Kevin and Jay and how that was, like, the big moment. And then other than that, it was just kind of like... Yeah, I kind of felt like that was, like, in both the War Games matches, too, where it was, like... I also kind of blamed the build-up, especially more on the women's one, but, like, this one, too. Um, because the build-up was so focused itself on Sammy and and Jay. And then even with Kevin thrown in the mix, it wasn't necessarily about just sammy and kevin's like 
uh, history with, with one another as like mm-hmm. adversaries, but more or less like how Kevin's presence tests Sammy's like loyalty to, to the bloodline. Mm-hmm. So it was still just again, it's still about this internal story within the bloodline, which as a as a bloodline watcher. Like, I love that, obviously, because that that's really the story in wrestling that I'm invested in right now. But again, also as somebody who, like, likes war games a lot and loves the chaos that comes in a war games match, I think that getting that came to the detriment of that aspect of the match, um, which sucks for the people who tuned in for that, which at the end of the day, the, the pay-per-view Survivor Series war games that's what the vast majority are tuning in to see. And I think that people didn't really get that. And I also, I will say I was a little disappointed, not disappointed, I guess, because again, like I was so invested in the story that I didn't even really, really notice it until afterwards. But like, I felt like, especially in the beginning parts of the match where those moments weren't so, it wasn't literally just direct. This is Sammy J. Like, story stuff it kind of just felt like boring outside of that like you know even like I said I was really excited to see Jay and Pete interact and some of their interaction was kind of fun I'd have to go back and rewatch it to say anything specific but like but again it just kind of like felt like it lost its steam and it just didn't have like those big like omg moments yeah that you expect out of war game that war games match that people can talk about for you know until next year and be excited about to see again um and again like i feel like that that was gonna happen regardless because just that's what the story was going into the match at all um but it paid off in a really good way because obviously we got what we got at the end of the match and now we're going into this second part of that tale where there's a lot of interesting theories coming out of things which i'm excited to talk about (laughs) Um, talk about on this or talk about when it's just me and you (laughs) we oh no we can talk about it okay um so yeah like for example and this, I know we have differing opinions on this because I made a TikTok about it and you commented on my TikTok. But oh, like, I did. Oh, we follow each other on TikTok now. Yeah. So obviously, first of all, I want to say um, <laughs> my friends and I watching this match, our reactions to them, the ending of this match was so dramatic. Like we were literally like screaming because first, Sammy Jay hugged Sammy like what which was cute (laughs) i was like i was shocked i was in genuine shock because i was like what the fuck is happening and it's so like the kind of the fun thing about the bloodline storyline is like that you kind of sometimes you can predict what's gonna happen but roman roman is such a, a factor that he can so okay sorry i don't know how to explain this so the way that i perceive roman's character one of i guess my headcanons about him is that roman has his own like view of reality like <sighs> roman roman doesn't really think about things the way as this crazy we... traumatized bitches often do yeah like he like you see it you see it a lot throughout like his history especially when it comes to jay there's a lot of times where you can see that jay tries to get ahead of roman's reactions or get ahead like even with sammy it was like oh my god you know roman's not gonna like the fact that sammy's around and jay really like 
banked on the fact that Roman would be angry that Jimmy and Solo were letting Sammy hang out with them. And then Roman did the complete opposite, you know? So it's like, you kind of never know what's going to happen because Roman's reactions are to things aren't always the like obvious expected reaction. So that typical was really hysterical fun. women. <laughs> Stop. Shout out to that oh. person on my last Twitter account who like called me weird because I called Roman a woman jokingly. Roman is baby girl. Um, now I do it. Now I don't even do it really jokingly. <laughs> if um, Roman not no. woman, why is his name one letter away? Explain that science. Thanks, go Biden. to hell. Go to hell. Go to hell. <laughs> Please. Um, but yeah, I kind of forgot what I was saying that. Oh yeah. So the ending of the match was like yeah. really crazy because it was like, oh my god, he's like embracing Sammy. But then mm-hmm. again, like they spent the whole match like proving that Sammy was really loyal to them. And then, um, but but I what I noticed was that Roman and Jay were still kind of like looking at Sammy in a weird way, especially Roman. Like, and the camera, the camera, like I think myth myth gifts. And shout out to Myth, but Myth yeah. pointed this shout out. Shout out to Myth. Um, Fucking kick ass. They're, they're we love like them here. the best giver. Yeah, and they also they're like, super fun to follow on Twitter. Also, so, yeah, like, they're just follow an Myth gifts. It's so insightful, not just about this storyline, but really yeah. about every storyline. Like there's moments, there's moments in matches that I don't pick up on sometimes, like outside of the bloodline. Right, but and they I'm catch like, huh, on to that I shit, never like, thought of that. They catch it believe. every fucking time. Yeah, like yeah. great, and then they'll do like really awesome threat. Listen, listen, if you are like me and you like analyzing characters and stories and wrestling, follow this. And man, if you've ever had any questions about Sammy and Kevin, that is oh, your yeah. number number yeah. one Sammy and Kevin fucking encyclopedia. We love which them has here. been helpful They're for wonderful. me because while I've always liked Sammy and Kevin, I've never really paid attention that much to their yeah. like overall arcs. So it's been Absolutely. helpful for me to understand them. Yeah. But like. Um, they pointed this out, but that there's this camera pan kind of moment where Roman's like walking through and he's like looking between Sammy and Kevin and his facial expression, like you would think Roman would look like happy or like, I guess maybe prideful or something, having just won this match and proven to Kevin that his own best friend is more loyal to him than Kevin. But he's kind of has this like, this weird look on his face. And I think feel like my theory is that Roman and Jay are playing a big haha on Sami Zayn and I don't know who said this but it was another Twitter user who put it into words perfectly what I was thinking but basically what they said was while Sami was trying to prove his loyalty to the bloodline he kind of showed Roman and Jay that he is at his heart disloyal because if you would turn on your best friend like that then what would stop you from doing the same to us so i feel like you know one of two things is happening right now either way i don't think that roman actually genuinely trusts sammy i've stood in the fact that i've never thought roman even liked sammy in the first place i feel like the only reason why roman had sammy around in the first place was because it upset jay and he does everything to to keep jay under like it's just another abuse tactic of like exerting his power over jay that i'm gonna bring this guy in that you don't like just to show you that i have the power to do that 
And now it's kind of turned into this bigger thing where he's like, wait a fucking minute, like, oh, you're trying to play me kind of thing. But I also think that there is another aspect of that where because this is the point that Jay's been trying to prove to Roman this whole time, those two and I have this thing of them being like the bonded, trauma bonded, you know, duo that they're kind of in cahoots with each other in regards to not trusting Sammy now and that there's going to be a moment where they really turn on him and it's going to be heartbreaking for everybody else and it's going to be joyful and amazing for me. See, I think that's all such an interesting character interpretation because number one, with the picture in particular that you talked about, I still don't think Jay was looking at Sammy. And (laughs) uh, I do think Roman was. But you mentioned that you don't think Roman has ever liked Sammy. And I think that's interesting because I don't, I don't, I agree and don't agree in a weird way because Roman's character right now is above all a user and a manipulator, right? So I think that as much as he is capable he actually does like Sammy. I think he thinks Sammy's a fun dude. I think he thinks he's a blast to have around. I don't think he trusts him, and I don't think he values him as a person. I think he values him as a tool. And I do think he gets a laugh out of him, because it's Sammy. And we all get a laugh out of him. And I think he similarly feels that way about Jay, and Jimmy, and Solo, and Paul. Those are not people to him. Those are pawns to him specifically i would say sammy jimmy solo and paul because as we've seen his target of abuse and of course people who are abusive can have multiple targets but most often you see people you see people who are abusive have one main singular target it's why someone who is abusive to their spouse can be an otherwise wonderful parent It's why someone who is a shitty parent can be a wonderful friend and community member because they have one specific target for their abuse. And it's also why you get so many responses. Oh, but this person would never do that because, you know, this person is so nice and this person is so sweet. They would never beat their husband or their kids or anything like that. And I think that Roman's character at the end of the day is that he's trying to cultivate as many relationships as he can to reinforce the idea that he's not actually as bad as he is because that's a very realistic depiction of an abusive person and I do think that that is Roman's ultimate goal here is to portray an abusive person and a manipulative person at that As for the interpretation that Jay is in on it, I think Jay is in on it in so much as he is being used as a tool because while Jay is his main target, he is also a tool for Roman to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And Jay, at this point, has... 100% bought into Roman's abuse. He's fully acclimated himself to being an abuse victim and going along with what Roman wants essentially because he's now at the point where he's learned that 
acclimation equals safety. And again, this is all a terribly realistic depiction of how abusive relationships and dynamics work. Because a lot of victims do at one point, and this is not to say that they, you know, think it's okay and because it's okay it stops becoming abuse, but this is to say that at one point many people who are in this kind of situation start to do everything they can to please the person who's hurting them because you think, oh, well, if I do this, this, and this, then they won't do this, this, and this to me. And it's a safety tactic. And I think we have reached the point where Jay Uso is desperately trying to do everything he can to please Roman, including being friends with Sammy and being friendly with Sammy. I think he just... He thought that the way to please Roman would be to warn him about Sammy and to get him to make Sammy go away when the real thing Roman wanted was for those two to get along so that he could have yet another pawn in his scheme. And it's interesting to me to think that Jay is in on this... Oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Not thoughtfully, but, and, and not consciously, but that he's fully informed of the gravitas of the situation, because I think that's not what's happening. And do I think that there is going to be a big moment where the bloodline turns on Sammy? Absolutely. Do I think Jay's going to play a big part in that? Yes. Do I think that... Uh, it's going to lead him back to Kevin and then Kevin's going to, they're going to do their whole stupid get back together shtick that they've done 18,000 times because Kevin can't stop turning on him. And this run that they end up on will inevitably lead to Kevin once again, turning on him because that's all that he does literally. Uh, yes, I do think that. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think it will be interesting to see how they craft it and how soon they do. Yeah, because that's what I'm to me, you cannot do this for like a solid six months. Mm-hmm. Like I, people are like, oh, it's going to be Sammy and Kevin and the Usos at Mania, and that may indeed be the the plan that they end up going with. But that will undoubtedly be the incorrect way because Sammy got with the bloodline. At the end of November, right? The supposed uh the pay per view was on the twenty sixth, so close to Oh, I guess I guess officially, but like Yes, officially. Like he's officially become one with the bloodline. Um So he's only become officially ingratiated to them around the end of November. They're talking about him and Roman doing something in February, so that would be all of December and all of January and probably most of February. So that's only coming in at about two and a half months. And that's just not enough time when you have, what is it, two shows a week where they're mainly on one show, so... And Roman is apparently on hiatus for the rest of this month, at least. And Roman's off uh, <laughs> probably having to buy the 17,000 Christmas gifts that he has to buy for his children. Um, excuse me. Uh, 
So, yeah, it's, there's not nearly enough time between now and when, excuse me, February's pay-per-view would be. And for the most audience, you could aim for WrestleMania, but even then, that would only maybe tack on another month or two, which still doesn't seem like enough time. I think you gotta wait for at least next Survivor Series. What I would do, honestly, since you talked about fantasy booking earlier, what I would do is I was waiting until the next Survivor Series, and that's when I would have the breakup. Give them a one-year That's period. too fucking long. I'm sorry. That's too for, long. For you, who doesn't like Sammy, yes. For normal people like me and the rest of the wrestling world, it's entirely logical. But, um... At most, I could handle SummerSlam just because, again, I do think it needs to be at a... I, I don't think it can be at, like, a fucking, like, Elimination Chamber or Extreme Rules, you know what I mean? Like, that's something that has to take place at a Big Four. The Royal Rumble's too early. WrestleMania is a maybe, but that kind of feels like there's going to be too much else going on. I personally wouldn't mind just a Sammy versus Kevin match. As opposed to them taking on the Usos, because I kind of feel like, hey guys, there are actual tag teams that have been tag teams for a while. If you want to just throw them at the Usos, and the next one up is SummerSlam, and I do feel like that they could build up to a big enough deal. And honestly, I I. T- I don't ever want to see Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens again, to be clear. They do not have chemistry and their matches are bad. But if they are to go that route again, I would prefer that they put some real honest space between when that happens and now. So SummerSlam would probably be the best bet. And it would kind of be a good, like, kind of getting over point for Roman if he's still the champion, which, God, please. Um, So I could handle that. It does feel like it has to be at a big pay-per-view, like I said. And that seems like the most realistic one other than WrestleMania. But it is going to happen eventually. And I am curious as to how they're going to do it. Uh, Because, again... It feels like it has to be, it has to be the bloodline turning on Sammy as opposed to vice versa, because you can't really make Sammy a baby face if you have him be the one to turn, and I feel like all of this is leading up to Sammy officially being a baby face again. Not that he hasn't been a face for this entire time that he's been doing this stuff with the bloodline. Like, he's very obviously been a face. It's kind of been a very interesting dynamic where he's, like, like, he seems like the good guy even though they're heels. Yeah. It's kind of, it's been really interesting. And also, I just want to say, not for you, but for anybody listening, I don't actually dislike Sami Zayn, by the way. I love Sami Zayn. I think he's freaking great. But I went into detail about this before. In As the number one J defender, Sami Zayn is currently the bane of my existence. It's like that, um, oh, what is it? It's a, it's a, like, I think an XKCD chart, like a little comic that they did. And it could be someone else, uh, he did like a 
your like a chart that shows like how your intelligence and eloquence goes down with the proximity to a cat. So your <laughs> uh liking of Sammy goes down and his proximity to Jay. Uh and honestly I I like this stuff with Sammy and Jay because it's giving uh Jay something more interesting to do rather than just get yelled at by Roman. <laughs> like there's an actual reason and a relationship being built and I, yeah, I am think... not immune to very cute moments like the double secret handshake. That was adorable. I <laughs> I think that I do I will say that I think that while I do feel like, you know, for a period Sammy was like a root of and like really I blame Sammy Sammy ironically, but realistically it's not Sammy's fault. It's Jay's family's fault for not being a good family to him. But like Sammy was kind of the root of them all like gaslighting and like alienating Jay for a period. So that's why I'm tough on Sammy. But realistically speaking, I stand in that I believe that Sammy is the only one out of all of them who actually understands Jay and like even when Jay was being mean to him at first his first thought wasn't to be like oh fuck this guy his first thought was to think well you know you've been hurt and I understand why you wouldn't trust me and I'm gonna show you why you can like like I think that he understands Jay very well like well, canonically speaking so I mean he is kind of an expert on being betrayed like <laughs> Yeah, like he made a he made a caption about like on a picture of Jay, and I was like, literally, I don't know anyone besides myself who understands um, Jay to this degree. So I really appreciated that um, of him. Um, I and I still appreciate that of Sammy. Even now, I still pick on him um, because I think that, like, again, like I I feel like Jay and Roman are playing a long game on Sammy, and. Um, but like, like, again, that's kind of the fun part of the storyline, though, is that, like, I have my interpretation, and then you have, like, your interpretation, even hearing your, your explanation, I don't think of it as, like, oh, that's wrong. You know, I think that that's a very interesting way to think about it, and it, like, I would love to see, it's like, it, it's like in a perfect universe, I would get, it would be cool to see all these rabbit holes be followed and see what outcomes they provide, um, you know, so I really like your your perspective. There's so much we could talk about with the bloodline mm-hmm. and story, and especially with Sammy. <sighs> because to me, it's almost more interesting if Sammy is playing the long game. Where, you know, it's something more unexpected. Like Sammy is like secretly like infiltrating the bloodline in order in order to weaken it, in order to, you know in the coming months, he starts, like, planting these seeds to Jay, like, are are you sure that you want to do this? It seems like Roman's putting you in a bad situation, buddy. But you know what? I feel like that's gonna happen. Sorry, not to interrupt. I feel like that's gonna happen, but not intentionally. And that's kind of what I mean about, like, Sammy being the one to understand Jay the most. Like, Or maybe this is just, like, my fantasy booking, but, like, I feel like this would be a fun way to also kind of start really planting the seeds of Jay himself leaving the bloodline because I feel like Sammy could be the one to kind of start to put it in his head that like this isn't really right or even to that like you know Roman's not here but you are when Roman isn't here who do we follow who do we look to as our as a leader it's mm-hmm. Jay like he is b- being the number two when number one is away he becomes number one and it's like you can do this because- and I really 
I really feel like it would be really cool even after they've turned on him for Sammy to be like, hey, like, fuck you for turning on me, but like also like remember this and like kind of give him that like Iggy. See, I think it's most interesting if So again, we're fantasy booking here. 146 minutes in, we've we've re-reached fantasy booking island <laughs> on our ferry and in my head the way this goes down is Sammy starts to plant these seeds with the Usos and Solo and not in the thirsty way that some people say that I've seen. But <laughs> he starts to, you know, make these little comments. Like like you said, like, you know, well, we, we all listen to Jay because, you know, Jay's the one who knows the most about all this when, when Roman isn't around. And Roman's not around a lot, guys. Have you noticed that? And just, but not to all of them at once. He does it to each of them individually. And then we see, like, he'll have a moment with Jimmy. And he'll be like, I don't know, man. Roman Roman really didn't need to say all that to you, you know? Because that was really... Because you tried so hard. And talking to Solo, like... I mean, it just feels like you're kind of being kept down a little bit. You totally could have won that match if it wasn't for, you know, what, what we all ended up doing. And we only did it because Roman said. And with Jay being like... Uh, I don't know, man. You, it, it seems like you're getting put in a bad spot. And just all these, like, very subtle comments. And then Roman acts like he doesn't, like, know that it's happening. You know what I mean? He goes months, like, not letting on. Until he turns on Sammy. Because I think it needs to be Roman to have the most impact and I think that needs to be the moment where we see Jay and Jimmy and Solo all be like, well, hold on now. You know what I mean? That's when they all need to be like, wait, Sammy didn't do anything wrong. He's been loyal to us. He's helped us. He's helped you, Roman. He's done so much for us. And you're just going to sit here and do this? And that's when it starts to fully click with them that's when it starts to fully click with jimmy that this isn't just some fun game that everyone's playing and that's when it starts to click with solo that you know maybe being attached to his family isn't going to be what's best for him because this is how his family is acting and with jay obviously it prompts him to finally be like i've had enough of this because you've done the same thing to me and I'm seeing you do it to someone else, and that's making me realize how badly you treated me. And I think that's when it works best for the bloodline to snap. And honestly, <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> I kind of feel like the Usos got to break up for a little while. <laughs> you know oh what I yes, mean? no. Like, listen. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like oh my maybe god. they don't listen. have to feud, but like they kind of got to. They do they have kinda... to feud. They do have to feud. I'm sorry, but like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll say this. I'm sorry. That just really excited me. <laughs> actually, <laughs> because... can I? Sorry for one. Can yeah, I make on, one quick ahead. correction? Yeah. So actually, on that, I do think it would be more interesting if Jimmy didn't disagree with Roman, because if he was just like. But hey, aren't we all supposed to be in this as a family? But it was Jay and Solo who actually... Because I've said I've mentioned a handful of times, 
I think it would be fascinating if Solo was the first one to officially formally leave and go off on his own Which and be seems like to be what a lot of people think is going to happen cuz I don't know this this annoyed me a little bit I mean bit his name is Solo it kind of does okay so <laughs> I have so many thoughts about this fucking stable it's not funny like literally we could say we could get ready for another time. hour kids guys we <laughs> Okay, first of all, to that point, that's kind of one of my big issues with Solo as a character. Because if you watch all his like vignettes and stuff from NXT, it was kind of like his entire like point of as a character. His mm-hmm. name being Solo, his last name being Sokoa, and not Fatu or. Okay, sorry. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, the whole point of Solo's character in NXT was that he was solo. He's by himself. Like, literally, if you listen to his vignettes, he's like, oh, like, I was left alone on the streets. I had to find my own way, blah, 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 blah. And then all of, out of nowhere, with no explanation, by the way, um, he just appears helping Roman win his match, which I guess you could say, well, the Usos weren't there or weren't allowed to be there or whatever. So they sent him. You could... You could um, What's the word? Not predict, but um, infer. Yeah. Inference? Infer. You could infer that, like, that's why he was there. But as far as an actual, like, clear cut, this is why he's there, we were never given an explanation for that. We're also never given an ex- explanation for him as a character as to why. It's kind of like that thing we were saying earlier about when a character just shows up in their face or they just show up in their heel and they're, like, give, there's no real explanation as to why all of a sudden he's gone from, I don't need my family to I'm gonna be in this stable to to be with my family. Like you you know what I'm saying? Like it just kind of they never explain that. So it's kind of like weird. So I get from that aspect why people would think that Solo should or would be the one about to turn on the bloodline. However, in terms of like the war game stuff that everybody like is using as the material as to why, I don't think that it's being and I don't say this often when it comes to the Bloodline storyline, because like I said earlier, I think there's so many ways to interpret it, and I think that's the fun of it. But in this particular case, I do think that it's being t- interpreted incorrectly, just based off of two simple facts. And that is, one, as far as the storyline goes, in a lot of ways, um, Solo is kind of a bit of an NPC. He does doesn't really play a huge major role in a lot of the happenings. You could kind of remove him from a lot of it and it wouldn't really change much. Um, That's just my opinion. And then two, not that he's like new because Sefa has been wrestling for quite a long time before coming to WWE, but in terms of how the bloodline moves in like certain things, he is still, like, rookie compared to his brothers and Roman. And if you pay attention, there's, like, a lot of moments where they kind of have to, like, remind him, like, you know, throw up the one, you know, come stand next to us, come do this, come do that. Like, they do it very subtly, subtly but if you pay attention, like, they do have to do it. Um, and so everyone pointed out that everyone was doing the ones, but Solo was standing there with his arms crossed. And I'm like that's that's his signature pose and that's why he's doing that and then even now where it's like 
Jimmy and Jay and Sammy are all being like, we're besties. Like we make each other friendship bracelets and we have our cute little secret handshake and we love hugging and all of that. Like, and Solo's over there like, I'm not interested in this. People are taking it as he doesn't believe in it. Or like my theory of Roman and Jay being in cahoots, a lot of people seem to think that Roman and Sepha or Roman and Solo are in cahoots. But I think that it's, again, just playing to the fact that his character is serious. Like, he's the enforcer. He's not there to, you know, make friendship bracelets and twirl each other's hair. Like, he's just there to beat people up and make sure his brothers and his cousin are okay. So, like, no, he's not going to go over there and do a group hug because he's too, he's too like, serious for that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's the only time I felt like people's interpretation of it was wrong. And I felt like it was so, I thought it was just so telling that people jumped on that Instead of, like, again, like I said, the fact that Roman and Jay, in my opinion, were both, like, really giving Sammy this side eye when, which really reminded me of um, when Jay and Roman first started feuding, when Jay thought everything was good between him and Roman, and behind his back, Roman was giving him that look, like, that he was, like, coming for him. So... I think that's an interesting take, though, that Solo could be the first one to leave the bloodline. I just... I mean, for a lot of those reasons, that's why I think he'll be the first one to leave. Because, I mean, what connection does he have to these people other than they're his family? Like, realistically. Because, like, even with Roman and the Usos, like, they have been working together for a long time. Like, in WWE. They've had a lot of feuds as a shield in the Usos. They've had a lot of, like, team-ups together. Like, we've seen them interact over and over and over again, and that relationship has always had importance placed on it. Except for that little bit when, like, it was Roman was in the shield, and they were like, what are you talking about? He's never met these men before. (laughs) Ignore the similar tattoos and features and the the last names and the first names and all that. Like, that was, which was, which was incredibly funny. Like, I would love if they did that more often with, like, siblings or family members, and they were just like, they've never met that person in their entire fucking life. Like, just- Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt. Yeah, like, just as, like, a general (laughs) note, that would just be very funny. But, because, I mean, in NXT, it was, it was nothing. Like, what, like, Grayson Waller made one comment about the bloodline. And that was it. Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes said, you can tell your bloodline to kiss my grits or something. Yeah, it was like two people (laughs) who made comments about it. But there wasn't importance placed on it. Those didn't, like, drive Solo into a rage, you know? Yeah. It's, he doesn't have, these people don't mean anything to him. And what I think is most interesting about this interpretation is that out of all of them, realistically... Sammy would mean the most to him because Sammy has made an effort. Sammy has made an effort to include Solo, to try and make him laugh, to try and get him in more as part of the group, to try and help him, to try and, you know, be there for him. And that's why, to me, it makes the most sense that if the Bloodline's eventual downfall is somehow influenced by them turning on Sammy or Sammy otherwise leaving them in some way, it makes sense that Solo would be like, well, he was the only one of y'all motherfuckers I actually liked. Because what the fuck have y'all done for me? God, I cannot remember who I had this conversation with, but, like, two, like, 
both Solo as a character and I think Solo in real life, he values loyalty a lot. Like, <laughs> if you look back, <laughs> this, is, this is so funny. I cannot believe I'm about to reference this, but if you look, <laughs> having seen all of Solo's N-word tweets, <laughs> um, something that you could actually kind of deduce from them is that this dude loves his friends. Like, like half of his tweets were like, think they had the n-word in them but like he'd be like god i love my friend They're like i love my friend shout out to my friend so like <laughs> <laughs> well at least it was a better context <laughs> question mark i mean <laughs> don't we have to don't we have to take the positives where we can find them at the end of the day <laughs> that's what i'm saying like i'm <laughs> right like yeah was he using a slur sure but he was using the slur <laughs> to describe how much he values his friends and their and their loyalty to him yeah. and his loyalty to them and so I think that's something too especially considering this whole like for from Solo's perspective of like he's the youngest of his family like mm -hmm. his brothers all grew up and went on to do what they do the usos went on to wwe their other siblings did that and he was kind of like the one that was left and he had to figure things out on his own because his brothers weren't around yeah. to guide him and tell him what to do and i think that i don't know all of solo's story but from what i've gathered piece by piece you know he spent time out in california kind of on his own away from his family and you know doing his own thing um, making his own way before starting in wrestling and, and even making his own way throughout that. Like, the Usos wrestled with Booker T for a good bit, but they never really worked the indies. They mm -hmm. pretty much went straight to WWE. Same thing with Roman and pretty much a lot of the other people in their family. He was the only one who was on the indies for, well, him and Jacob were the only ones who were, like, on the indies for years. And Lance. Okay, so it was only him, but, like, compared to his literally compared to his big brothers and roman like he spent years grinding on the indies before he was yeah. given the opportunity to even come to wwe he had to make his own way and he had to find his own like found family in in that process you know and then go to nxt and again like literally seeing his brothers and roman as a family as a unit running the company and he's down in nxt having to do his own thing. Even in the real life aspect of it, I remember Jay saying in an interview how they, they'd watch his matches and watch him on NXT all the time and they would call him after TV and like give him notes and be like, hey, this is what you did well. This is what you can improve on. And he would ask them almost every week, like, when am I going to be up there with you guys? And they would be like, not yet. Like, you know, <laughs> and even too, like their specific advice to them was to not be like them. Literally, he was like, they were like, why do you think he doesn't wear shoes when he wrestles? Because we wear Air Force Ones and this is how we dress and this is what we do. So he looks completely different than they do mm -hmm. in terms of, like, his presentation. So a lot of who Solo is is, like, separating himself from his family as much as possible so that he can be himself. Mm -hmm. And now he's with his family. So, yeah, it would make a lot of sense for him to go off on his own and... and and honestly, you know, refine that. the ideal, I think, for him would be to go off and face someone. There are two different things that I think he would really fit perfectly in. Is face someone like Austin for, like, a U.S. title. Because they're both young. 
they've both they have both grinded on the indies because people may not know this about Austin because everyone likes mm-hmm. to be like he was handed things. Austin spent quite a while working on the independent oh, yeah. circuit. Like he My was, first time seeing him was in Evolve. Yeah, and he was also kind of a big deal there too, not because he gets yeah. stuff handed to him, but because he's real good at what he does. So it would be an interesting story to see and, you know, have Austin be like, you know, you're only here because your family. And then Solo could be like, well, you're only here because of Vince. Like, there's stuff you could do there. Or have him face someone a little older, a little more serious, like Valter. And have it be in, like, the IC title sphere. Because I think that having... Making him face <laughs> someone who is part of a faction would also be an interesting... Oh, yeah. Kind of turn for him to be now on his own and having to deal with the faction as opposed to having people around to help him. And also, I also just think that would be a good match. Like, <laughs> honestly, both of those would just be good matches. Like, I think him and Walter would just be, like, slapping the shit out of each other, and I really want to see that, so. <laughs> this might surprise you coming from me, because this is the first and only time I will ever suggest this person for anything. I don't know who it's going to be. But I actually think it would be kind of interesting to see him in Drew. Hold on! You are you got glitchy right as you said that. Like, to, like, the universe was trying to keep you from saying it. That was very <laughs> funny. Because you got glitchy wow. right as you said wow, his name. You guys don't get to... So it was like... Uh. Now you guys don't get to hear who it was. <laughs> it was some Scottish okay. man. Some large but Scottish it was, man. It was... <laughs> yeah, it was Drew. I but I think Drew would be the perfect person to kind of tell that I'll make a man out of you story. Like, oh, like you want to step away from your family and like, okay, I'm gonna make you step up and I, step up to my level. I feel like it could. I feel like that could be interesting. I actually agree because I also think that Drew. I think that Drew, if he's still in a, a similar character to what he is now. Would not hold it over Solo's head that he yeah. was in the bloodline. I think he would be, he would like, be like he would be like step you up and left. Show me who you are? Well, he would be like you left, and that took a lot of balls. But you haven't shown me what you can do. So mm. show me what you can do, and see if you're just as much of a man as as what everyone thinks you are for leaving the bloodline. Like it would be very much like a respectful, like mm-hmm. I know it took guts to do that. But let's see if you can back all that up now. Yeah. So, I do think Drew would be an excellent, like, starter feud. Also because Drew, like, historically is very good at working guys, working with guys who are a little bit smaller than him. Um, Mm -hmm. He has much more interesting, compelling matches with people who are smaller and have slightly different styles. That's not to say I don't like matches that he's had with, like, Roman or Brock or Sheamus, you know? But, like... For, like, in general, his best matches have been with, like, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. So I think that Solo, also physically out of the bloodline, would be one of the better, like, physical matches for him. So, yeah, I actually agree. And then after that, I I would like him to see, like, you know, maybe not get a win over Drew, but have, like, a solid, like, competitive, like, real match with him. I can and have Drew, like, like shake his hand. Handshakes. and yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, like, yeah. a handshake match. Where, like, <laughs> yeah. you lost, but you, you earned my respect. Kind yeah, of exactly. Yeah. So, I think something like that would work really well. <laughs> and then have that kind of push him 
more into like the IC or the US title scene and have him start working his way up to that. Maybe have him face a couple more people before really getting a shot at the title. Uh, I think that would be great. I think Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler could do amazing oh, yeah. things with Solo. Would he would, he would push him up so far. He would be like, I'm gonna make a star out of you, motherfucker. And you know what? I feel like I feel like Dolph could be a good person to do that same storyline with, but in a different way. Whereas Drew, it would be like, okay, you've earned my respect. But Dolph Ziggler is always good at playing that hating ass veteran. He is. So I feel like he would be perfect to be like, oh, come on, you little bitch boy. You had everything handed to you by your family. He's not the respectful veteran. He's he's the no. one who's like, ha ha, he's, fuck you. He's a hater. <laughs> he is. Like, just a pure hater. I just, hey, I would love to see as that. As a heel, as a face, his gender is <laughs> hater. You know? Like, it's... You know, the whole, like, I, I wake up early as hell in the morning just to be just to get a head start on hating. That's dumb thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, and I mean, we could go over all the things we want Jay to do, I'm but... Say, <laughs> I was gonna say, we might as well end this episode now, because if you don't if you don't mind, I will talk your ear off about Jay off air. Yes, please. Because do. I have so many, I have so many ideas. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, as wow. it, let me let me find the match I want to recommend because I don't have the exact year. Also, these people. So, unrelated fun fact. Um, was it? Hold on. Was it Fall Brawl? It couldn't have been Fall Brawl. Fuck. I guess I'm going to find out. Um, so yesterday I found out that a theater in my city is putting on something called the Shrek rave. And, um, my younger brother, I don't know if you guys know this, but my younger brother makes music. Um, and he's stupid good at it, by the way. If I knew what any of his names were, because he, everything he releases, he releases under a new name. Um, if I knew any of them, I would share them because they're awesome. He makes, like, electronic music and mixes and, like, kind of avant-garde stuff. But I was, like... But he's also, like, 16, so he likes that, like, ironic stuff. So I think he would love a Shrek rave. And I looked on the ticket page and it was, like, this show is all ages. And then, like, right at the bottom, it was, like, this is an 18-plus event. And I was, like, so which one is it? So I emailed them and they haven't gotten back to me and I'm very frustrated. Like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> uh, no, show me the right. If you would like to suggest your, uh, oh, wait, 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 no, no, no. Ah, I found it. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. Song and match recommendation. Uh, wow. The song I want to recommend is the one I sent you last night, but it's not posted anywhere. But I sent Naya a song last night, and it is the most Jay Uso song in the world. Um, yeah. but, uh, well, in a similar vein, um, Phantom Limb by Seeming, it should be on YouTube, also Stranger by Seeming, also, you know what, just go listen to the album, look up Seeming, S-E-E-M-I-N-G, on Bandcamp, um, scroll down until you see Saul, a self-banishment ritual, click on that, listen to the whole thing, and then thank me for your life changing, because that's what will happen. Match recommendation is the War Games match from Fall Brawl 1996. 
that was the one with NWO and uh, Team WCW. It's awesome. It's only 18 minutes, so it's really not going to take a lot of time out of your day. But you have to watch the, like, after stuff once the match is over. So that's my song match recommendations. Stream saving. We love you, Alex Reed. You god of music. My match recommendation is going to be... Um... Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Um, Mariko, Yash- Mariko Yoshida versus Reggie Bennett. It's on YouTube. It's um from an Arceon match from like nineteen ninety eight. Old ass fucking match, but um, I've been characters. I've been uh, studying Reggie Bennett a lot. Um, so watch that. And my song recommendation, um, because it's on my morning motivation playlist, is gonna be "Sky's the Limit" Sasha Banks and Steam Song. So, <laughs> thank you everyone for sticking around, if you did, for this very long discussion about women and, and problematic people and me yelling about Ronda Rousey for new reasons. Oh, God. It's so much. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, and I have a guitar to paint and a giant, like four by five painting to do so i'm very tired i'm going to be very tired yay christmas yay making christmas presents but thank you everyone stay safe wear a mask get vaccinated remember to get all of your relevant and necessary boosters like tetanus and watch good wrestling listen to good music and happy holidays from all of us at sweet talk with Honey and Naya.